Geeks! 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 Hello and welcome back to Geeks, the world's number one entertainment show recorded live in this room. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me for a very special edition, we have Franklin Rich. Hello. How's everyone doing? Mullen. Mullen or Mullen? Mullen. Mullen. Not German. Irish. I can't get exotic with it. (laughs) You can. It just won't be right. Okay, I'm gonna. All right. You're now just... The rest is silent. Okay, we're going to get into who the fuck you are in a second. But first of all, we haven't done one of these for a month. You're probably listening to a horror show if you're listening to us now. This used to be our mainline podcast where we just talk about topical things, video games, movies. And we're going to have actually three for you over the next week. We're going to have this one where we're going to be focusing on Fantastic Fest from a very particular angle. And then we're going to have another one about Fantastic Fest next week from a different angle. And then sandwiched in between that, we're going to have me and I think just Alex Sander Chard doing a fireside chat about Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Forza Horizon 4, and Spider-Man. So we're just going to be talking games on that one and discussing our feelings on female writing. <laughs> because Odyssey and The Shadow of Tomb Raider have very different, they're very different female writings, I feel. Anyway, so please do stay tuned for those. Please head on over if you listen to this right now to weirdgeeks.com and you can branch out to our social medias and most importantly to iTunes and your podcast things on your apps, on your phones, and on your Blackberries pages and Walkmans, because then you can subscribe to us and rate us. It really does help us out. So please do, if you're listening, take those 30 seconds, subscribe and rate. Thank you. All right, we're done now. I can go home. <laughs> what are we doing? So Lola, Franklin, I met you two lovely people last week in Austin, Texas. There is a festival there called Fantastic Fest. It's been going for how many years, Lola? Like This was year 14. Year 14. It is the biggest genre festival in North America. Uh, it is crazy (laughs) is basically the only way to describe it a whole bunch of genre films what i love about it's not just i mean they're very broad i feel with what they call genre film there's a lot of just art house in there and really i feel it's just it's more the way i saw it is it's more like it's creative driven films if you know what i mean it's like it's directors and writers who are very passionate about a particular perspective of something because uh, every film there had a lot of character i feel whether you liked it or not or whether it fell into horror or science fiction or whatever there's a lot of character going on uh, and they do crazy parties all the way around it. There was like Tenacious D concerts where Jack Black couldn't remember his own songs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. were Leonard Malden and his daughter taking on people telling him that he's a fucking dick for not liking Scott Pilgrim. There's directors and different people get to go to like Texas Chainsaw sites for barbecue. I went to a Troublemaker Studios tour. There's debates. There's a boxing thing, which is, yeah, that is the debate. And then they do parties and karaoke. It's just fucking crazy. It's a whole wide party. It's an amazing time. I wanted to talk about it. Lola, can you tell us a little bit about your history with Fantastic Fest? So my history with Fantastic Fest started before I actually moved to Austin in 2013. I had wanted to go to it, but I was broke as hell and that just wasn't going to happen. So once I finally got here, I moved here right around Fantastic Fest time. I waited until the next year. I did standby for a couple movies in 2014. In 2015 and 2016, I got second half badges. So the way they do badges is kind of interesting there. They have a second half badge, which allows you to go to movies for the last four days of the festival, the full badge, which is all eight days. Or you can do, which they just added this year, the midnight badge. So you can go just for the late night movies and then you can do standby for everything else which means you basically just wait in line and if you get in that's great and if you don't then too bad try again later so my history with it is i i love i love genre film i do and i (laughs) 
it's a giant percentage of what I watch. And I do watch quite a lot of movies uh, for someone who has nothing to do with films aside from just sitting on my butt and watching lots of them. So um, very passionate about it. I'm, I'm not even sure why I'm so passionate about it other than I love the people that go to it. I love the movies they show. It gives me a chance to meet directors and writers and, and actors and and talk to them one-on-one about what they do, which is, is fascinating to me because I'm jealous, basically, is what I'm trying to say of all of the neat things they do. So I have to pick their brains about it and live vicariously through them. It's down the street for me, which is also very convenient. Just to clarify something, if you're in the standby line, because I didn't, I didn't do the standby line because I'm British and I do enough queuing at home. But do you, because they, okay, so just to clarify for people, they program multiple films in multiple screens you might have one film is sometimes on four screens at the same time sometimes on two but then there'll always be alternative films uh playing on the other screens if you're in the standby line is it just whatever you get into or do you pick the actual film you want to try and get you pick it so they will call out and say we're now seating any standby people for x so there's one giant line that has everybody who wants to see whatever movie that's showing in that slot right and you start lining up like half hour before and you wait there and eventually once they've seated all the prior groups which feels like everyone on the planet prior to yours uh, then they finally get to you they call out hey we're now gonna take seven people to go into theater one for x and they will take one two three four five six seven stop and they'll make you wait and do that for every theater as they get a head count as everyone else is seated so that's basically how it works you don't just kind of get thrown into whatever although that would be kind of fun and just be like hey throw me in whatever uh yeah. if, if you're feeling like rolling the, the dice screening. yeah even for secret screening i did that for secret screening this year which was <gasps> suspiria gasp i still got in and yeah spoiler alert <laughs> it was suspiria <laughs> the website said it had 14 seats and they sat like 50 people in the five theaters so yeah it's pretty impossible to not get in on standby in my opinion and Lola, you're so fucking crazy passionate about this. You actually have tattoos. I do. I do. I, ha- I might have a couple few tattoos. So every year they do a closing night party. And at this closing night party for the past, I don't know how many years, it's been uh, more years than I've been going. Um, so more than five, but not as many as 14. They do local tattoo shops, a couple that are actually really good in the Austin, Texas area. And there are many in Austin that are good, but they pick um, two local tattoo shops to come in and do free closing night flash tattoos based on the films that were shown and the theme for the country of that year. So yes, I have four of these tattoos. I am missing one. Eventually I will catch back up, but I have four of these tattoos on my right arm. We're going to actually talk about as many of the fucking films as we possibly can because that's what we're really here is to review and we won't do um spoilers but obviously you know there will be mild spoilers for all of these films when we talk about them so if you really really hear us talk about a film and you don't want to hear about it just skip forward a little bit how do you talk um, about climax without spoilers <laughs> i think you're fine if you've seen any gas film, <laughs> film before you're good. oh god but yeah, I mean, a lot of these films, you know, some of these films are actually out right now. They came out the week later. Some of these films won't be out for a long time. So it's, you know, some you're going to have to wait for. Okay. Anything else? Want? Oh, actually, I just on a personal note, did want to just name a few names before we move into reviewing stuff. I wanted to say a big thanks to Anique, um, who's a pro- programmer at Fantastic Fest. She really is the main reason we, we ended up there. And I love her dearly because she's changed my life. I want to thank Noah for being so supportive of a film and making badges for people to wear that for the entire festival I didn't realize had anything to do with our film until I met him <laughs> and he was like yeah I made those and gave them out to people Aww. 
And yeah, I want to thank Mendy and Bex because they're the fucking best and they helped um, organize everything and get me on all cool things like the Troublemaker Studios tour, which I'm legally not allowed to talk about because I signed two NDAs, um, <laughs> but it was very fascinating and very cool um, and a little depressing, I have to say. But I find sets quite depressing. I like locations. Okay, now I've got the program here in front of me. I'm just going to go through them, but I've noticed they're not in the order, obviously, that they're shown. So it is going to bounce us around a little bit. Is that okay with you guys? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go through, and when we get to films, we all saw different films. There's some that probably we all missed and some that maybe we all saw. So we'll just, you know, we'll try and keep things as brief as possible because there's a shit ton to get through, and it's nice to be comprehensive. But the festival kicked off, and again, like, there's always counter-programmed films running. But when I say kicked off, really the big start was Halloween. It was the North American premiere of that. It had just been at Toronto, I think was its world premiere, wasn't it? Yes. So yeah, this is the big one. It's coming out in a few weeks' time. Jamie Lee Curtis is back, directed by David Gordon Green, who I'm a huge fan of from All the Real Girls. And I fucking love All the Real Girls. And then he went on and made stuff like Pineapple Express. And uh, did he do The Sitter? Was that him or was that someone else? He did the Your Highness, didn't he? Your Highness, he did. Some crazy fucking goofy comedies, which, yeah, that was someone else. Okay, yeah, but he does like goofy, crazy comedies, but he used to do art house stuff. And this, I felt, was him sort of trying to bridge that gap a little bit. And it's written by Danny McBride. I'm not allowed to talk about this one too much because we do a Halloween podcast. And right now, you're probably hopefully listening to it. It goes up every single Friday on our Geeks Horror Show we're on Halloween 6, I think, this week. But you guys can say what you thought about it, uh, if you saw it. Did you see it? Who saw Halloween? I, I didn't did see it. You did not, Franklin? No, Lola I didn't. Did. I got there the night after, uh, or the day after. The day after. Uh, Lola, no spoilers. How did you feel about Halloween 2018? All right, so there are a lot of visual and auditory callbacks to the first two original Halloween films, which I greatly appreciated, even beginning from the opening credits. I thought that was great. I enjoyed the very firmly planted tongue-in-cheek humor that directed us back to the first and second films throughout the movie. It gave it a little bit of gave it a little bit of levity considering how many of these films have been made and how many times it feels like they've rebooted this franchise. I felt like it needed a little bit of humor to it because it's kind of hard to you know, reboot an entire franchise for a third time and take it 100% seriously, to be frank. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to say I enjoyed it as much as one and two, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I do think this is maybe, I mean, we've covered a lot of franchises on a horror show, and I think this is the most complicated one now. I don't think it's ever happened in cinema <laughs> history. I don't think it's ever happened where the same actor, where Jamie Lee Curtis, like, came back, you know, with H2O to basically go, oh, we're going to ignore everything. It's just one, two, and this. They're the trilogy. And now to come back again and ignore H2O and just pretend, like, like to reprise the same actor to reprise the role and pretend previous ones didn't exist that they were in. It's fucking fascinating. I have no idea if it's ever happened. And what I love is just that the general public doesn't give a shit. <laughs> no, I mean, it totally bucks canon, right? Or what, what I'm going to do air quotes, what canon was prior to this movie. But it does it twice. That's I mean, know. she's already made this movie. She already made the movie where she's like, no, this is me setting the franchise straight and finishing things. No, but for and real then- this time. <laughs> 20 years later did it again it's like no no i'm gonna do that again so i'm hoping she just keeps doing that every 20 years i'm good with that okay so then i'm actually going to skip the next one in the program because that was the closing film so we might as well skip down but after the screaming stops uh this is a documentary <gasps> about bros people fucking love this movie i did not see it it was uh, amazing I, 
So you said, was it you said it's sort of almost a spinal tap? It, no, it's not even almost. It's if it were not a true story, it would be completely in spinal tap territory. It's insane. I can't even talk about this. It's making me laugh too much. <laughs> like <laughs> the quotes from these men and they're real. These are real men talking about their real feelings. These brothers in this band since what the late 80s or something like that. Late 80s, early 90s. I mean, they went into the music industry very, very young. And you can tell because the way they've grown up seems like people who went into media very, very young, uh, very publicly. And it has definitely um, formed who they are today. And all of the things they say, such as my brother and I were like two rectangles. And when you put us together, we form a square. And I'm just like, I can't, (laughs) I can't, I can't. I can't fucking watch this without laughing. I will say, when I saw this on the program, I was like, I could not be less interested in that because I was unfortunate enough to grow up with Bruss. But then from hearing everyone talk about it, like, okay, now I have to see this movie because I do love musical comedies. Like, I I love Final Tap. I love Popstar. I love that stuff. I love Popstar. Oh, actually, very quickly, I did want to say Jamie Lee Curtis in the QA for Halloween was a fucking legend. (laughs) She was amazing. She was just like, swearing at people and she just kept uh, just in a, inappropriately stroking the lead actress or the oh lead God. actress in the film for like 10 minutes it was she was brilliant loved her all the gods in the sky i didn't notice this one i did no, not none of us saw this. that was corks right. i think yeah it's the director corks, yeah, yeah i did not see that uh the angel <sighs> none of us saw this one this is one i did want to see and i just didn't get yeah. to um it actually has one of the leads, well, one of the actors in it is uh, one of the clients of my manager. So I'd heard quite a lot about it and I wanted to go see it. We ended up having so many weird connections to this festival through like people we knew and associated people. It was weird. Apostle. I didn't see it, yeah, but I've been hearing so much about it for like a year now. So I'm kind of mad that I didn't get to see it. But after watching the trailer, it was sort of like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch that in a big theater. I think it might be easier to stomach that on Netflix when, you know, when someone's intestines are getting pulled out from their throat. Like, then I can just lower the laptop. Uh, just gently close. Exactly. Just gently coming, close. It's coming Netflix soon, isn't it? I think a puzzle. Based on the trailer, I dubbed it The Wicker Dan. Because. <laughs> oh, yeah. You told me. Yeah. 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 That's why I didn't want to see it, I think, because you said that. But I, I do like Gareth Evans. Like, I like the Raid and... Yeah, yeah I was about to say, I love too, the Raid so. films. So, if someone could just make a compilation of all of the, the one-take <laughs> action sequences from Apostle, yeah. that'd be awesome. I'll, I'll watch I'll watch that. <laughs> uh, the Bastard's Fig Tree. <gasps> oh, Everyone's been talking about it. I didn't get to see it. It was so good. It was so good. And there's yeah. such lovely people on top of that, which oh, made yeah. me love it even more. I went up to them after seeing it and told them up to that point, there were only a couple films I had felt strongly about. Um, and I think I saw that on its first screening, if I'm not mistaken. And I went up to them and told them in Spanish, I was like, hey, I just wanted you to know, for me, this is one of the best films I've seen so far. And the producer, who is a very diminutive in stature man, came up to me on the day he was leaving and, and wanted to tell me that because of nice things like what I told them, they got a buzz screening and he gave me a big hug and a kiss on the cheek and I just about cried. Aww. But oh my the movie God. also, <laughs> the movie was so lovely. <laughs> it was a really, I felt a very strongly done period piece. I mean, it, the setting was beautiful. The way that they told or that they showed the progression of time throughout 
the movie was very, very well done, and uh, the acting was spectacular. It was just really solid, and it was a black comedy with a lot of heart, which was kind of, I did not know how to feel about it at first, because it was it started off very dark, and it continues to be very dark throughout the film, um, dealing with a pretty dark period in, in history uh, for that country. So, yeah, it was definitely something to see. Yeah, it looks really, really good. Yeah, it's one of those films that looks, I hate using this phrase, but it looks like a, you know, like a real film. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and just like, yeah, this is a real fucking film. Between Worlds, this is a Nicolas Cage one. I've got this on a screener. I mean, I'm probably watching it later tonight, actually. I've, there's a few films from the first time catching up on, on their screeners they sent me tonight. How do you get the screeners? Can I ask? Yeah. yeah. That- What's that magic? I don't know. They just sent me a link to, <sighs> hey, here are the screeners. It's for critics normally. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they send it to the directors of features, maybe, so that you can talk to the other people if you want to or something. I'm so not you sure. Can, you can sneer and talk about people poorly behind their back. Exactly. Oh, yes. So I saw like, your film. You can get validation for what you made. You're like, well, at least yeah, it wasn't thought- this. Yeah, because they ask you when you first, like, they asked us before we got sales agent representatives representation. And we were just like, yeah, sure. Put it up on the thing because it makes sense for any press who can't get there. But then obviously what a lot of press does is they even don't watch it in the cinema because they're like, well, I can just catch that, you know, later on the screen. So our sales agent, as soon as they came on board, got us ripped down off of it. Nice. They didn't want nice. Press yeah. I heard about. a lot of, I heard a lot of critics saying that actually talking to them in the bars and stuff, they were saying like, ah, so I'm excited about this film. I'll probably just catch it in the screener. It seemed to be like yeah. a, a common, you know, expression. Yeah. yeah you're not going to go into the theater. You're going to go see something else. You know, if you know, well, I can catch this next week. Maybe, maybe the there's a better way to do that. Like you have to put in an, an actual request for it. And then, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know don't what know. the. Huh. I don't know. I mean, if films want to be shared, it's fine. Like between worlds, sure. just you know, it is what it is. The cam is up there as well. There's a bunch right. of films I'm gonna watch. That. The Blood of Wolves. <gasps> oh, is good. Didn't see it. Oh yeah, it's real Japanese good. movie. Yeah, you're the only one who saw this one as well. I, Ian Franklin fucking apparently saw nothing. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, we just we sat in the corner, twiddled our thumbs. <laughs> Harassed Jonah Hill a couple times, and uh, no, <laughs> I didn't even do that. What was I doing? I, I, I mean, even didn't I talk got to Jonah that. Hill. And geez, where were you? I saw like 10 films, so we're going to get there. Yeah, yeah. I saw Um, a bunch. I'm like, wrote all them down and I'm like, oh my God, that's a lot of movies. We'll get to them. Um, Just to be clear, when I'm at Fright Fest, I watch every fucking film there. Like, and they are, there's a lot of shit at Fright Fest. (laughs) And I watch all 30 films over five days. I just sit there. At this one, I was like, this is my first time and it's your first feature. It's like, I have to spend some time just talking to people and they're working around it. So I would have supported more films. Uh, but a Blood of Wolves, then you're giving that a thumbs up as well? Very, very much so. You're hitting on like all the ones I liked. There were I did there were things I did not like as much, but I <laughs> we'll really liked Blood of Wolves. Um, Is it me and Franklin's films? Is that what you I liked saying? it enough yep. that I got that that tattoo this year. That was whatever, you haven't even gotten there yet. Shut up. <laughs> you got that tattoo? Let me see. I did. Okay, hold on. I gotta For our audio listeners, she is showing us a tattoo. Of a wolf howling at the moon. So he has I feel a lighter. Like tattoo was in enough the movie. of a description. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty fierce. <laughs> it's pretty pretty fierce tattoo. I'm just saying. He has a lighter. It has some pretty well-known Japanese actors in it. It also deals with crime. I love crime movies. I love pulpy Asian crime movies. I think Merciless was either... The Merciless was last year or the year before. Another uh, mm. pulpy crime movie that I loved the hell out of. But yeah, every, every year Fantastic Fest has a few really solid crime films, and this was definitely one of them. If you love crime... You'll love where I am right now, in Winnipeg. Ah, oh, Winnipeg, nice. that cold Crime mistress. capital of Canada. <laughs> really? Oh, that's um, so cool, because I'm in Jacksonville right now, which is the crime capital, excuse me, it's the crime capital of uh, 
of uh, the southeast. It's, uh, I fucking did it. <laughs> it actually has um, it has the most crime per uh, not per capita but it's like one of the most crime ridden cities i think part of it's because of the landmass, but i'm not entirely sure maybe it's just because yeah, there's a bunch of old farts that are <laughs> i spent my first day here and i was like this is the most depressing ghost city ever gaming vistar um, through stamp scams don't google that because it, there's truth to it <laughs> oh my god I'm going to get in trouble for found, telling people. Then I found out, like, yeah, this is the most dangerous city in Canada. There's lots of gun crime. Uh, really? You shouldn't really go out at nighttime. It's just really, really quiet. There's tons of street prostitution, and over 50% of it is underage. Oh, my it's God. Like, it's oh. just, it's like, the, it, yeah, it's like, this is a terrifying city. Winnipeg, <laughs> just, more like. I just came here to see a friend. More like lose a peg. Am I right? Am I, oh, oh, you might oh, lose oh, a no. peg. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Bloodline. With the old Sean William Scott, Stifler himself. I don't remember if I saw that or not. No, I didn't. No, I didn't see it. I meant to. This is a Blumhouse film. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be getting a proper release, presumably. All right. The Boat. This is one I wanted to see, actually. Uh, Carnaby International, who's a UK company, putting it out. And it looked kind of interesting. The poster was attractive. Yeah, I'm a big fan of... What was it called? What was that Robert Redford one he did? Uh, All is Lost. Uh, The Uh, other boat one? I fucking love that movie. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> except with except the boat wasn't Christine and all is lost. Oh no, that's true. That's right. That's true. Yeah. Border. Ah. Make the noise. They had like the an outdoor lot. screening of it, didn't they? <laughs> so this is a Swedish Danish movie. I don't know what that what that means. Franklin. Here, just look at the camera. So there's comparisons here in the program to let the right one in. Hereditary, The Witch, Goodnight Mommy. Are you making a penis joke? I can't tell. Oh, yeah. She's always making a penis joke. I'm always making a uh, penis joke. Like, if for <laughs> those who didn't thing. watch, who can't see, like she just stuck her fingers up and then pointed her fingers down, which serves the same purpose as the as the sound effect. I'm still very confused, though. Whenever did, did we you talked not about see this Border? film... I didn't see Border. No. Uh, we, I, we established me and Franklin have seen nothing, which is becoming uh, acutely aware is that this podcast is a sham. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like <laughs> said, oh, there were only five films that showed. Let's talk about those. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, but did you actually like it? Because all I've heard is the penis talk. Like, was this good? I Oh, God, I really want to say the catchphrase, but I don't want to spoil it for people. So it's tricky. It was really well made. The makeup was fantastic considering that you kind of see from the very beginning that something is not quite uh, normal about the lead female character in the movie and you learn oh. a lot more about that and a lot more about her as the movie goes on as well. But oh. um, I liked it. I just didn't I didn't feel super strongly about it I guess. I enjoyed it. I don't okay. know if I would like run out and see it again. Okay. Would you walk out and see it again? Yeah, I'd probably stroll out toward it at some point. <laughs> if someone gave you a lift. If someone you? said, hey, get in the back of my... Never mind. God, I can't. I can't. Okay. I'm not no. going there. I'm not if going there. So, if <laughs> someone pulled up in a white van and then went, whoop, whoop, <laughs> then I would jump right the fuck in. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you would when you... I would. Um, oh, God. Burning it was a Korean film that was there. I wanted to see this oh, one. I didn't, I didn't get to. It's like 10 hours long, like most Korean <laughs> it films It was are. like 10 hours long. Ooh, what a stab <laughs> at Korean films. No, no, it's because they have a different act structure. It's the same with Japan. They have a four-act structure rather than the Western three-act structure. So they just go on much longer than you think. And I've never seen a Korean film that hasn't been too long to, to, for me. Like, uh, It was like a 400-act structure. It was... 
it was <laughs> really it was really good but it was so slow it was so slow and you could kind of see some things coming in it which left a little bit of the suspense hanging in the breeze which was frustrating as a viewer mm-hmm. it's okay. interesting there are times when the when a slowness of a film is like justifiable mm-hmm. uh, but then there are also times when like that that that's a that's a negative aspect sometimes it's hard to criticize a film for being slow when you know if if that's the intention but there are certain times where it's like the film is just too slow it doesn't need to be this slow well it also depends i find that one of the problems with festivals is a slow film feels a lot slower because you're watching so many films each day it's like if that was the only film you'd seen that week You'll be fine, probably. I will admit, like, yeah. when a film was like, oh, it's only 87 minutes long. And I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I was like, we very purposely, I think actually technically our film was hitting 100 minutes, but we very purposely made sure it said 99 on stuff because <laughs> I, in my head, I was like, as soon as you hit those three digits, you're like, no, that's just just too long. Yeah. Uh, Cam was a movie a lot of people liked. Yeah. My girlfriend, Katie, actually sat down next to the director on the flight out to Austin. And then Good suddenly tonight. realized she was surrounded by people going to Fantastic Fest. <laughs> it was <laughs> surreal for her. I mean, this is one of those films. When I first heard about it, I was like, oh, I'll probably enjoy this film. But it got a lot of a lot of praise at the festival. People liking it. It yeah. was fun. Oh, I loved it. I, I really, really loved it. I'm a big fan of films. Yeah, Franklin saw, Franklin saw a film, so I'm excited, man. I know, right? Finally. <laughs> this was actually one of my favorite films at the festival. Well, it was the only one you saw. So. It, oh, yeah. It was, uh, um, it was one of the kind of films that leaves you feeling really uncomfortable and gave me a, a lot to think about just with the way that I perceive a certain issue. But just as a film itself, I, I couldn't have enjoyed it more. I think it was super thrilling. It has that kind of... Uh, uh, it's it's easy to compare to like Whiplash, where what Whiplash turns turns drumming into, into a, a thrill ride. This terms... This this film turns you know cam girling into a thrill ride. You do you just named my favorite film of 2014 or whenever it was. So now oh I'm my god, interested. I love Whiplash so, so much. Good. It's one of my all time favorites. But I think that it had a really stellar opening, like five minutes. The especially yeah. it's just I I was hooked from just that sequence. It was so well edited and such a clever idea. And even though I have a couple problems with the ultimate resolve of the story, uh, and, yeah. and it has a couple issues, but ultimately, like I, I definitely look back on the film with a lot of fondness, and you know, I, it's it's one that I definitely want to watch again when it comes to Netflix, just to get that sort of adrenaline pumping again for some of those scenes. It was creepy <laughs> on a number <laughs> of levels, and I like I like being creeped out. I don't like being grossed out. Right. All the time. I like being creeped out. There were that being said, there were some really awesome close up effects in Franklin, you know what I'm talking about, uh, toward yes. the end with oh the God, blood. Yes. And yeah. I I dug the hell out of that. I thought it was really, yeah. really well done. And they used considering it's a horror film essentially, they used gore in a really creative way. <laughs> Very sparingly, yeah. And a film that is so heavily rooted in sex and sexuality, it could have so easily been really exploitive with yeah. those elements. And it wasn't. It was never about the the sex aspect. It was just a person who is is just happens to be in this line of work and happens to put a lot of stake in this particular medium and then gets you know, uh, something spooky happens with that Ooh. medium. 
I, I was really glad that there was no it didn't go like super I don't know what to compare it to, but there, there was no, there was no, like, if, if you're going, oh, no, I don't want to watch a film that's dealing with issues like rape or, you know, s- sexual mutilation. There's nothing like that in it. It is yeah. a thriller rather than a gross, you know, sexual horror film. Yeah. Okay. So I should watch it tonight on the screeners. Yes. <laughs> yes. I would definitely recommend it. With the okay. lights off. Also, don't be online. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> okay. Chained for Life. Yeah. Yeah. That's I loved it. I really loved it. It's not for everyone, but uh, I, I definitely loved it. I didn't even know this film This film exists. This is one as I'm reading it. It's like, oh, oh I didn't God. know this was oh, it. It made my heart hurt. Yes. <laughs> it's like, yes. It really, for, for so many reasons. And I really, I love the way that it kind of uh, turned on itself part of the way through the film and kind of, yeah. it, it showed how people's personalities how their own personalities change internally when the outside of them changes you know and it also explored the aspect of people who are like you know who who are viewed differently their entire lives and the way that that they change uh, over time it's yeah human interaction at its finest for sure and it's most uncomfortable in some ways i think it's one of the best examples of telling a, a non-linear story yeah because the the storyline is is not it keeps we keep breaking the fourth wall and realizing what we're watching was actually something being made and then we realize that just that aspect of it being made was actually just more people just making it <laughs> which kind of it was unique in that is suddenly every time you watch a scene for like the last hour of the film you know none of this is real that this is all just actors playing yeah. these parts which is, is one, like a really interesting way of avoiding the exploitation aspect because the whole film is about exploitation and, and those themes and yet still manages to, to avoid falling victim to the, the thing that it's critiquing. And just a fantastic job by the actors as well. You really get sincere, genuine performances. And even though I think it's, it is a little heartbreaking, it was hilarious too like oh, and, so and good not in a laughing at people with yeah because of their whatever their disability or whatever was unique about them uh but just the the circumstantial and i mean there was there was a whole one shot take towards the end that's just a conversation between two people and it, it i i don't want to get into details but it's it's just absolutely hysterical and and goes on and on and on and it just gets funnier and funnier uh, and it has nothing to do with the rest of the film, which is also really, again, unique, but really entertaining. Okay. We're getting a lot of recommends. So at the end of this, I'm going to have to get you two to like, you know, pick battle it out. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, also, we're only in C, so we're going to try. Yeah. Let's, sorry. Quicker. We're going to move along quickly. No, sorry. No, no. Okay. There's going to be a lot we haven't seen, to be fair. So we'll go through bits. Uh, but next up, we have Climax, which is the new guest, but no film. Climax is next. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, those of you who don't we, know we all saw this no. together too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we actually dragged in um, Alison Holland, who, if you're a fan of the horror show, you'll know her. Who had never seen a Gaspino film, didn't know what she was getting into. She was about <laughs> to go home because she was all tired and sleepy, and we basically bullied her. I was like, "No, you'll love it. Come and see this dancing." Oh my god! And it's a Gaspino film, so if you've seen Love, if you've seen Irreversible, if you've seen Enter the Void, then you know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, misery, mayhem, beautiful DP work, great ideas. Uh, in my opinion 
always teenage <laughs> directing and writing at least teenage writing for sure i found this film was interesting though because i think this is the least explicit film he's ever made but also arguably easily as harrowing as anything he's <laughs> yeah ever made. i was gonna say it's funny when your most accessible film is also somehow your least accessible film I do want to point out that we may or may not have been drugged before we watched it. They made us all take <laughs> sangria shots without any explanation. But uh, in the film, there is there is some drug to sangria, which uh, ends up being the um, what kicks off the story an hour into the film. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I definitely look back on the experience of watching it fondly. I can't say that I look back on the film fondly. fondly. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I mean, this is one to watch with a group of friends. Yeah. It's, it's great fun because yeah. it is an experience. It's like going on a roller coaster ride and you yes. kind of hate it. Um, <laughs> but but the thing is, it's like not all art should make you feel comfortable and not all art should be something that you is enjoyed sure, at all. Sure. And he's very challenging and you come out of it. And, you know, I believe there are also social political things to do with France politics that are being said in it. I'm not smart enough or up to date enough with what's really going on in France to understand all of that. <laughs> and <laughs> probably most people have fantastic response. But... So, I mean, I respect him massively. He's one of those people I'm very yeah. happy he's out there. I wish he could fucking learn to write, not like a 14-year-old child. And I wish he could <laughs> learn to edit, not like a 14-year-old. But his style and his ideas and his verve, I really, really appreciate. And I think there are fantastic things in this movie and there are terrible things in the movie, you know? I will say, I was thinking about it the other day, actually. And for me, there's already been, in my mind, for what this film was trying to do, there's already been a better version of this film out there, which was from a couple of years ago. And it was called We Are the Flesh. Oh, God. Um, and that, that is... Down. Uh, for me, like, that is... Because that's mayhem, craziness. Like, a lot of the stuff he deals with this, that devolves into in a similar way. The difference is it has narrative. <laughs> it also has a really beautiful opening that's fantastic before it gets into the mayhem. And it has an ending that, for me, for some people really annoys them, but for me, the ending has a lot of point. Whereas the ending to this one kind of is like, Everything just gets set on fire. Not literally, but just sort of figuratively. Well. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. For um, me personally, this is it's Gaspino. Like, I don't know what else to say. If you like his other films, you'll like this one. If you didn't like his other films, you probably won't like this one. But you might enjoy the first 10-minute dance number, which oh, is the, fantastic. Yeah, dancing's great. Great dancing. So, here's the thing about that. I am not a huge fan of his films and I, I really wanted to see piercing. I'm not going to lie. It was on the same time slot. I still kind of regret not seeing it, but I had never seen one of his films in the theater and I certainly hadn't seen his films with other people. So I was like, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be an experience. I know it's going to be super fucked up and really weird and very colorful and very crazy but i want to see it in a theater with other people because i want to see their reactions to this yes because i know it's going to be a ride for me right yeah Yeah, i mean absolutely i kept looking over at you guys guys, like (laughs) (laughs) yeah no look at alex's face when the lights went up at the end she looked heartbroken like it was just so painful she was genuinely damaged by the movie she hates it so much it's like a deer in headlights support thing Because the last, the last, there's like a, there's a good 10 minute sequence at the end and it's incomprehensible. It is completely like a bombardment of sensory. And I remember someone being like, oh my God, did you hear the song at the end? I was like, what song? (laughs) You couldn't hear 
you couldn't distinguish any one frequency to, to another. Like, it was all noise. But that's not to say that it wasn't really enjoyable just sitting back and then looking at the other people being like, are you guys also still, like, witnessing yeah. what I'm witnessing? It, it was... Um, it's definitely a and film. That's what I he would, wants. He yeah. wants yeah. people to walk out of his films. And when you think back on that film, it feels like, oh, I got roofied in a fucking club and passed out. Yeah. And it's just this drumming noise that went on and people screaming. But it's a good and experience. That's what he would want you to think. Yeah, yeah. But that's how he wants you to react to his films. I wouldn't like, watch this film alone ever. I would watch it with other people. I think it's actually, you know what? I just forgot about it, but it's, I think it's applaudable. If for nothing else, then it's phenomenal use of titles, which I don't want to say anything else <laughs> about Jesus it, Christ with that. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Man. It's like, oh, there they are. And there the they titles, go. And the titles also drank good. the sangria, by the way. Yes. Very good. <laughs> they showed up. They showed up fashionably late. <laughs> we had another French film called Close Enemies. Mm-mm. Uh, this it. is the guy who is in Run Lola Run, I think. I wanted to see this, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't get to see it. Uh, Dakra. Ah. What was it? Dakra. Is that how you say it? Dakra, Tunisian no. film. Didn't see Dakra. It is actually, is it Tunisia's first ever horror film? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Okay. So I've seen other first horror films from different different countries or different you know, groups of people who've never made a horror film before. It was, it was not the best horror film I've ever seen. It was not the worst horror film I've ever seen. Considering what they did in the film, I would say watch it for sure, because it's, I don't know. I feel like people in other countries who maybe don't explore this side of cinema very often, they deserve to get their movie watched. And it's not, it's not a bad, it's not a bad movie. It's not the best movie I've ever seen. It is spooky and weird and there is some flailing that is unexplainable in it. <laughs> like, I'm not really sure why that guy is, you know, convulsing <laughs> for, in that way. But, you know, hey, I'm going to go with it because it's fucking weird and I'm along for the ride. But uh, I definitely uh, recommend seeing it once. Unlike Climax, which you recommend seeing twice. Everyone should Climax Ooh. at least twice. We all, we all Climax together. It was great. Yeah. They did. Uh, there was a bunch of films which are old films, which I don't really want to talk about them too much. But Deadly Games was one of them that they got <laughs> to show, which was kind of a big deal. And Nick was very excited about that. It's one of her yeah. favorite films. Dog was shown. And see, dog. It's not a French movie. Short one. Short one. Eighty-seven minutes. We hey. should have all loved it. Oh man! <laughs> Congratulations, dog. <laughs> then there was Dog Man, which is an Italian French. It was movie. great. It was depressing as films, fuck, but it was Thank great. Thank God you're here. Yeah, it's about to say, <laughs> no one wants to hear me talk this much. No one. Truly no one. <laughs> I'm so sorry to all of you out there. So You just really loved so many of these movies. So there were a lot crazy. that I liked a lot. This year was a tough year. I gotta say, I've been going for five years. This was the year where I had the hardest time making choices between movies. And I thought, you, I'm one of those people that watches all the trailers in advance that I can get my hands on. I help them make the yeah. trailer thing they put on YouTube so that other people can nerd out like me prior to the festival. I was mapping out my schedule. There were spreadsheets involved. It was very complicated and depressing. Um, but it, yeah, this this movie was this movie was up against some other tough movies that I did not see, and it was worth it. It's dark, and I think it also showed at Cannes, if I'm not mistaken. Like also, that's where it Italian premiered. French. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a, it was a lovely film. It was heartbreaking. It was gritty. 
um, and very well acted. I, I really, the lead was awesome in this movie. More fucking movies to watch, man. It's ridiculous. It's like, this is one of those festivals when after I was like, how many films do I still want to see that I missed? Normally at a festival, there's just a couple. And this one, there's so many. Yeah. Just dozens of films. Uh, Donnie Brook was a film. Oof. This is by Tim Sutton, who did Dark Knight. Um, not that Dark Knight, but the one about <laughs> the Colorado shooting. The other book. <laughs> I saw this film. (laughs) Yeah, I saw this with you, Lola. Yeah. Uh, Franklin, did you get to see this? I didn't get to see it, no. I uh, I missed this one. Uh, This is with... I went to see this purely because I found out it was him. It's also got Billy Elliot in it. Uh, Good old Jamie Bell. It's got Frank Grillo, which... I like Frank Grillo in the right place, but I was kind of confused because I thought, well, this is going to be a serious movie, and Frank Grillo is normally pulpy. And he's still kind of pulpy in this, to be honest, but it's put in the right way, I feel. It also had the dude who turned up at three of the films in the festival. <laughs> Wasn't it James uh, Earl Badge? Is that his name? Yeah, or James name? Uh, Badge Dale. It does it, James Badge yeah, Dale. Yeah. He was not... I didn't love him in the film, and I actually like him quite a bit. I thought Frank Grillo was used better in it, even though he's pretty. his character's pretty one-note. Yeah. Uh, but I fucking loved... I thought that Jamie Bell was spectacular, oh, and I really loved Margaret Qualey uh, playing off against him. I thought those two were really great, and... It's a brutal film that's incredibly bleak, but for me it worked because the score is like the Godfather. It's so big and yeah. so much brass and oh. it's just like gave so much personality. There's a bunch of stuff people do in the film which makes no sense. We're like, well, that's just stupid and it's just kind of there to make miserable situations happen. But it's so well done that I didn't care. And I really, really loved it. And I came out of it just, yeah, really cemented of... Um, this director I'm so interested of because I, I enjoyed Dark Knight quite a lot it wasn't perfect but there's some great moments in it and I feel he's getting better and better and I'm really interested where he's going to go and I really really want to work with Margaret Qualey <laughs> so badly now I'm writing a script now that's basically just for her Aww. she was both evil Let's and just leave fragile really and it was awesome pause after that thanks guys yeah. <laughs> appreciate it I got nothing to say. I mean, yeah, no, I, I have a particular thing. All my lead characters, whether they're male or female, always like them to be that right balance of strong and fragile at the same time. Yeah, and she was definitely that in this. Lola, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. It's definitely a thumbs up for me. I too loved Jamie Bell. I actually liked uh, James Bagdale, and I, I liked that I did not like him because they made him right. so. So they he made they made that pa- that face that I love so punchable and I appreciate because I I loved the other movie that he was in at Fantastic Fest like that was probably top three of my favorite movies of the year at Fantastic. We'll get Fest. there in two hours. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Oh my god. But uh, in this movie, it was great to see him be punchable, um, and I was both sad and upset when as the movie carried on when as his role progressed. So it was like it made me feel a lot. Which I, I like in any movie. So, yeah, I think it was just because in the other movie we're going to talk about in a bit, I loved him so much. I felt his character. I think it was not the acting. It was just I think his character and Frank Grillo's characters were both pretty one note. Whereas I thought Jamie Bell's and Margaret's were very interesting. Like they just intrigued me more. But um, but yeah, still yeah. we're both agreeing. Great film. Um, an evening with Beverly Laughlin. It's also a movie. I skipped my ticket that I had for that. Okay. I had to relinquish it. Who is it? I know someone who saw this. I think it was um, Ali, actually. Must be really good. Feral is a Mexican movie. I'm loving the ones on the Fasorka. We can move on. Okay. Uh, FB2, Beats of Rage. Oh, so, Jesus. Caveats with some of this stuff. 
the hardest thing I think with any festival is you go there and you meet the creators and you come out of a film and you want to say you love something or you hate something and you're worried because standing around you are going to be cast and crew yeah and and some of our what became an extended group like we got like you guys which i was lucky to get to hang out with and then we got to hang out with one of the guys in particular from fp2 who's fucking great and i love him uh, who's called ryan i didn't get to see fp2 yet so luckily i can't talk shit about his movie (laughs) but because i really liked fp1 and this one looks even crazier and glossier and much better made so i'm actually kind of excited for it katie very uh, kindly went to see it instead of um uh, under the silver lake ah. and she said she she hadn't seen fp1 and she was like what the fuck was that it's like the craziest <laughs> surreal weird fun movie and it sounds basically like yeah if you like fp1 this is more of the same only bigger which sounds great to me but did you you we, none of us saw it nope excellent uh girls with balls i didn't i didn't this see it. is French, Belgium, Luxembourg, Spain. 77 minutes? God damn it, guys. Why didn't we see that one? I actually want to see this one uh, mostly because I was hanging out with the composer of it and he was a really lovely, interesting man. Uh, I talked to three composers at Fantastic Fest and all of them said that the film that they're referenced the most whenever they're, they're, whenever they're given a film, by, uh, the director always tells them, make the soundtrack like Predator. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's like, oh, just one of the most iconic, huge orchestral scores of all no time. No big deal. Just make it sound like Predator. <laughs> just yeah. And half the time it's like, yeah, do that. But no, you don't have the budget for an orchestra. So you got to do it on your MIDI keyboard. You know? <laughs> say, yeah. It's going to be hard to do and just pro tools. Yeah. Uh, but a composer was lovely for Girls with Balls. So I am intrigued. The Guilty, a Danish movie. Mm. Nope. Yes. All right. Hold the Dark, the new Jeremy Sonia film. This is now up on Netflix. It's now there, isn't it? It's up now. Is it? Or is it up so. now? It's ah. meant to be up this week, I think. So it's, it's right. going up very soon. Anyway, if it's not up right now, very soon. This is a new film for Jeremy Sonia, who did Blue Ruin. He did Green Room. And yes, he also did Murder Party. He also did Murder Party. Yeah. <laughs> a lot in a different life. I'm, <laughs> a in, long I'm, time ago. I'm in love with Jeremy Sonia. Yeah. Wait, I don't know if you heard the story. We'll, we'll talk, talk about the movie, and then I'll what? tell you my story. Oh, my God. So, this is based on a book. I think it's the first one he's done. It's not from an original screenplay, isn't it? It's like uh, yeah. you're basing it on something. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's... I think what's interesting about his previous, not including Murder Party, but his, you know, recent sort of trilogy of films, is they're all very different and very similar. Like, they all have very different themes, different sides of the genre, um, but you can definitely feel his fingerprints over everything. It's a very elegant movie. Um, it's very patient, very slow, has a lot of unusual twists and turns with characters where you're not really sure what's going to happen. It has, in my opinion, maybe the best shootout film since... Oh, he- yes. Um, it's fucking fantastic. I didn't love the ending, I have to say. Like, for me, the ending, I felt, wasn't very effective um, and kind of let it down a bit. But I haven't read the book. It could just be the source material. So, it's out of those three, it's actually my least favorite, Jeremy Sonia. But that's not saying much because I love that man. So. Yeah, I. Uh, it's not any secret that I think Jer- I, I. I've said this during the festival that Jeremy Saulnier could like go to a toilet and use it on film for like two hours and just sit there reading a magazine, messing with his phone, not say a word, and just kind of like looking around. And I'd be like, "It's a work of art. Cut it. It's and it's you, it's, you'd done. Get arrested it's for done. It's done. I, I would get. I would it's go to jail gladly and serve my time. It would, will have been worth it. Going to feel about that. I don't give a shit. 
Uh, <laughs> I do not care. Uh, but I'm a huge... Gr- Green Room is one of my favorite movies. I loved that movie. I saw it at Fantastic Fest, and I freaked the hell out when I was watching it because of reasons. Um, ugh, ugh, arm thing. So I, I just, I love that movie so much. And I, uh, I like the inept, what he calls the inept protagonist trilogy uh, with murder party, blue ruin and green room. Um, this movie was, you, you mentioned it was slow. It was definitely slow, but it was gripping. Like it was just weird enough that it kept me hooked. And you, you want to know, you want to know what happens next because it's so strange. And as it unfolds, you, you need to know, you just need to know. I felt compelled to continue watching. Even if I didn't like it, I still would have kept watching, but I loved it. So. Yeah. Funny story. And I, I don't know if I told you Lola, I guess if, you, if I guess I haven't, I'm so sorry. I'm, I he missed... like he's about to say, I killed Jeremy. I killed oh Jeremy. Where's, is making yeah. Blair Okay. <laughs> no, I missed Hold the Dark and I was really upset. I didn't get a ticket in time and I was really bummed because I love Murder Party and Blue Ruin and Green Room. I have them all on Blu-ray. I don't even think the Murder Party on Blu-ray that I have is a legit actual Blu-ray. <laughs> um, but I've, I've always been in love with Jeremy and his work and I missed the screening and I walked into the lobby and there were like three people there, these two ladies and this guy and I looked I, you, you, at Fantastic Fest. Everyone's got a little badge and they like have a thing on it. And I looked at the ladies badges and they said Netflix. And I was like, Ooh, okay. Networking opportunity. But the guy didn't have a badge. I didn't care about him. And so I was like, uh, so what are you guys here for? And they're like, Oh, we're here screening a film. And I was like, really, which, which film? And they said, Oh, it's this, uh, this guy's film. And they pointed at him and I was like, Oh, what's, what's the name of your film? And he goes, Oh, it's a film called hold, hold the dark. And I like my mouth <laughs> dropped. I was like, Oh my God. And I realized I'd never actually seen a photo of him. I was like, Oh my God, you're Jeremy. I've been following you ever since blue, uh, like since, since murder party. And he, again, this is speaking to like fantastic fest. I got to talk to him for an hour and a half as the movie <laughs> played. And he was just so friendly and just wanted to keep talking about, the process of making an independent film. He was just the nicest freaking person. I can't believe I didn't tell you this, Lola. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so I didn't get to see Hold the Dark, but I feel like I I got a, a pretty decent, you know, uh, alternative, uh, which was basically the entire story of how he made Blue Ruin. Uh, and I'm excited to get to watch it on Netflix because I've heard great things and he's just an awesome guy. And if nothing else, like check out hold the dark and check out his films because the guy that's making it is just a really nice guy and willing to, you know, talk about the process and willing to be open to other filmmakers about, you know, the, the do's and don'ts. And I was waiting for those Netflix ladies to tackle me to the ground because I was talking for so long, but, uh, you know, it was, it was that again, I got nothing to say about Hold the Dark yet. I haven't seen it, but this is where you're gonna watch it and just go, "Oh fuck that guy!" I'm gonna be like, "This is the worst goddamn movie I've ever seen," and I'm never gonna speak of his name ever again. That's cool, I guess. Cool story. (laughs) (laughs) Cool story. Sorry. I'm actually like Blue Ruin for me is still by far my favorite by quite a long way. And yeah, the story of how he got that made is fantastic. If people don't know about it, you should go online and read about it because, from his own words, it's it's very, very interesting. Um, I'm very inspiring. Uh, Hold the Dog worries me a little bit for him. Like, because you see him on this trajectory where it's like he could go to big, big places. Like, he had the potential, he has the potential to be a future Christopher Nolan. 
Yeah. And is it have that it, much power? He cited Chris Nolan actually in the conversation, which was interesting. He was like, you know, that's that's sort of where everyone wants you to go, but you also don't want to end up doing something that you're not proud of or doing something that's not you. But then, you know, the, the, the flip side of that is you do that one thing and then you can do whatever you want, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think Nolan's actually pretty proud of everything he's done. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think no, the one again, thing Jeremy doesn't have going for him is he's not a dick enough. He's too nice a guy. Like, I know yeah. people have worked with Nolan and they're like, he was not fun to work with. Well, yeah, well, and also Nolan, like, really lucked out. Not to be unfair to him, but, like, he did really, yeah. really luck out. By, by re-editing his film backwards. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, people should watch Hold Dark. They should just support Jeremy because he's a super nice person. What I found really interesting when he did the Q&A was him saying, I'm actually like, because he seems like he'd be quite a depressed person. He was just like, I'm just really happy. My family life is great. So when I make movies, I want to make up fucked up stuff. Which is like, which when I realized, oh, everyone's just got any excuse then. Because depressed people don't make super happy films. Yeah. Because like, oh, I'm really depressed at home. So I thought when I make art, I'll make just Care Bears. You know, it's like, no. Everyone just wants to make sad stuff. I'd be thrilled if I got to work with one of my oldest best friends and That's his true. brothers who scored the film and who score all his films i think and oh, school is incredible uh, the, the the those are making blair's brothers if i'm not mistaken are the ones that score ah. all of jeremy Solney's yeah, movies really and making blair actually wrote the screenplay based on the yeah. book mm-hmm. that's right and he's also in all those movies and he's awesome and, and I, yeah i'm making too he's cool he's a really just he's exactly like you would expect him to be <laughs> if that makes sense like he's just so sweet uh and he was there he was in elijah wood's video game he was i was in that as well yeah that's where i that's where i met him all right shut the fuck up franklin sorry (laughs) i missed all these movies Uh, but i got to meet the people i guess that's (laughs) something holiday was a movie made by denmark the netherlands sweden turkey and other places too i saw this movie i really fucking liked it this was a movie where for me it was like very uh, very European. Uh, it's exactly the kind of movie I grew up watching. But I think that this film, there's a lot of films nowadays obviously being thrown around as a great voice for either feminism or just, you know, women's rights or discussing difficult matters tied into the topics of the zeitgeist at the moment. And most of them annoy the crap out of me for one reason or another. This one I thought was one of the most intelligently complicated and fair-handed assessments of, to be fair, to be, sorry, to be blunt, a very particular setup like the placement that she's in is unusual i don't think it's something many of us could really identify with but i think the theme's running out it's just kind of like a you know a, it's blowing things out of proportion a little bit but i think the themes are very interesting and very not one note the thing is you say that i did not see the movie but katie who did see it she and i talked mm. about it at length I wasn't going to, there was not really a chance I was going to see that in the theater because of some of the themes they tackle or just a little bit right. too much. That's like one of the areas I don't go into in the theater is that one. It makes me really, eh. I'd rather, as Franklin put it earlier, be able to close the laptop and walk away and come back to yeah. it. Um, but it does blow it out of proportion in that, like, not every situation like this is like that, but it that kind of thing is a lot more common than you'd think. Like women putting themselves in that position. Sure. Oh um, no. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. There's just a particular sort of, I don't want to spoil too much about a film, but it's a very particular, you know, crime drug family, which of course, yeah, happens you know, to many, many, many people. But yeah, I don't think, again, it's when you make these films, like in England, we have this thing where we love to make films 
and I don't like talking about classes, but this is just to be blunt about genres of filmmaking, but where we make films about the lower class, but it's for the middle class. Like <laughs> no one who is in those situations are going to go and watch that film. It's for the middle class to watch those films go, oh, isn't it depressing? Isn't it sad? Don't we feel better about our lives? Yeah. And then give it some awards, you know? And it makes me really fucking angry. Yeah. Um, and we this do was that a movie, here too, for what it's worth. That's what it's say. It's, it's awful. Very similar. Well, America, I mean, this is a larger conversation, but it's one of the problem. One of the things I respect about America is like you have sympathetic protagonists who are of all riches um, and all ages and all sexes. And you make films for that. In England, if you're middle class, it better be a fucking rom-com because you should be feeling guilty that you have some money and your life is fine. Like, it's just like, it's just how we deal with this stuff. If you're lower class, then you can have a gangster film or you can have a miserable period piece. It's like, (laughs) we separate it like that and it's really upsetting. But Holiday, I'll be honest, like, I'm not, I don't get to speak about that side of it. Yeah, there was a trigger warning said before the film. I've seen a lot of films, admittedly. This is one of the least trigger warning ones I can imagine being as someone who has not been put in that position. So I don't really get to have that opinion. But this was, it's certainly not about that. And I don't think it's that shocking, like at all. And it's very subtle and it's not graphic. I mean, there's one scene that's graphic, but I don't think it's graphic like people are thinking it's graphic. It's certainly not like like people using words like irreversible. And I think that's outrageous. Okay. Um, it's something that's impossible to discuss without, you know, going into full on spoilers. And I'm sure some people could call me out on that for different reasons. But I think it's outrageous to compare those two in terms of how they're dealing with that subject. You may have changed my mind on seeing this, so I will watch it. It's a really beautiful film. Um, And it has a sort of honest, sad, and slightly positive message, which I like. Um, Because I feel most of these films, it's like, no, we have one message and we're going to bash you over the head with it. Um, And this one does not do that, which is great. There's a film called House of Sweat and Tears that came from Spain. And none of us saw that. Uh, There's a film called I Used to Be Normal, a boy band fangirl story. Oh, yeah. Again, didn't see the film, but met the person that made it. From Australia. Yeah, I made it a double feature with this and the movie about um, Bross. Oh my goodness! I was like, well, so I did it at the last <laughs> minute. So I actually watched this movie, and then at the last minute changed my next movie to be the Bross movie because I was just in that mindset of music-related documentary. This one, it was good. The of the two, I preferred the latter. I enjoyed I Used to Be Normal. I can't identify with that. I have never been a boy band person, but it's it was just interesting. Shocking. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, I just, I couldn't get into the minds of the characters, but they really do a great job of going beyond that obsession, that initial obsession and talking about the people themselves who were so deeply affected by a certain thing and showing other aspects of their lives that were affected and the stigmas relating to being kind of obsessed with something as a major part of your life. It was just, it was, they made it more than just being really obsessed with boy bands. And they also didn't just focus on a boy band or two boy bands. They kind of go across generations with it, which I found was a very interesting take. So. Okay. Okay. Um, I know one that you probably do want to talk about is a little UK film called In Fabric um, from the makers of Barbarian Sound Studio and the Duke of Burgundy. Uh, I did not go and see this because I'm racist and I don't like most UK films. Um, and I didn't actually, I respected Barbarian Sound Studio. I didn't really enjoy it. And kind of the same with the Duke of Bourbon Burgundy. They're both films I respected, but didn't love. I didn't see it. You didn't get to see it in the end? You didn't get to see it. I skipped it. I skipped it so I could see the uh, bad times with you guys. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Blame it on us. 
It just sounded like You're fun. You're going to blame all stuff on us. Right. However, you skipped the guilty and I saw the guilty and it was really, really good. I didn't skip it. Like it's, I'm just going through it how the program Oh, has I thought them. you said it and then you kept going. No. Oh, no. I'm a jerk. Never mind. Fuck you. The Innocent, Swiss and German film. Anybody? No. Let's move along. Keep an eye out. Quentin Dupuis, new film from France. 73 minutes. Man, we should have gone see all these 73 yeah, right? minute films. Oh, it was awesome. Let's make that roll was next it? year. That was my first movie of the last day. And it was strangely, it did not, it felt longer than 73 minutes, but in a good, in a satisfying way. You know, it didn't feel like it was super fast or too brief. Okay. Yeah, I liked it quite a lot. It was much more accessible than Rubber, and I love Rubber. Uh, that movie, I freaking love oh, that it movie. His film? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I love him. So in good. Between. Uh, he did a film called Wrong. Yep. Which was okay. which was eh. I don't know. I like Rubber more. I love Rubber. Oh, I love Rubber. And I think Rubber is one of the most misunderstood films. Yeah, all my friends made. hate it, and I'm the only one that's like, no, that is but this stupid. Is great. Your friends are dumb. I'm well, sorry, I, I said that. It's because it's no, it's, fine. <laughs> it's seen as this like slocky B movie thing. It's like no, it's fucking it's art house to a fault. Like if you it have knows. to hate it, hate yeah. it because it's too art house. Like it's yeah. very fucking pretentious. Oh my god, it's, it's making fun <laughs> it's of great. itself though. It's making fun yeah. of art house and it's making fun of classic horror. Like it's making fun it's of great. all of it and everything mm-hmm. in between. It's really beautiful and shot oh, on a five D camera. So anyone who says you can't make pretty films on you know the right yeah. equipment, fuck you. Go watch Rob. I think the E. T. monologue uh, at the beginning. Why is why is the alien gray? or whatever mm-hmm. is like one of my favorite film monologues like he yeah, is great oh he at the end at the delivery is perfect uh, yep. he hits every chair with the freaking car like, it's so good i have Anyways. i have a hardcore boner for absurd comedies and this did not disappoint keep, keep an eye out yes okay i'm gonna check it out yes you will. I, I, uh, I love him knife plus heart that's another film from no. france I was down that. for this a couple of times and I just kept getting dragged out at the last second so I couldn't see it. Uh, Lady World. This is one that made Katie kind of frustrated. I know. Uh, it's kind of like a Lord of the Flies with a bunch of teenage girls in one apartment. Which so. sounds amazing to me, but apparently it, it wasn't does. It wasn't good. A mixed reception, but yeah. Mixed. No, no, I didn't hear anyone glowing about it. Mm, it's a shame. Uh, there was Leica, which is a crazy stop motion weird alien thing from the Czech Republic. Uh, none of us saw that. Uh, it's a Canadian film that's, yeah, very much The Handmaid's Tale. That, I have to say, was, in, was invading on our private space I everywhere say, we yeah. went. I, I associate it with the urinals now, <laughs> just because every time you go to the bathroom, there would be a little sticker on the yeah. urinal saying, go I'm see level 16. Everywhere you turn around, I swear I'd like order booth. food and then look down and there's a sticker on my burger or something. It was just yeah. like everywhere. There's, there's a line between uh, like... Being smart and kind of promoting and then yeah. just... I guess just touching people's personal space. <laughs> it's, it should um, be fair. It's, I kind of wanted tough to line. see this film, but but yeah, I don't know. None of us actually saw it, so we can't have an opinion. I mean, we can, but we shouldn't. <laughs> Life after Flash, a documentary on Flash Gordon that played. None it, of us saw it, it did. <laughs> uh, Lords of Chaos that played. I should not have skipped that. I heard great things, and I really want to see it. Yeah, me too. Okay. Well, you did, so fuck you. Oh, yep. shit. Lutz played, or Luz uh, played. Uh, this is 70 minutes. Maybe the shortest film of the festival. I can't believe how many movies I missed. Like- this is made by a friend of mine, who's now a friend of mine anyway, because he's represented by our same sales agent's Yellow Veil Pictures. Nice. So I got to see this on the screen, and they sent it to me uh, about a month ago when we signed with them. 
uh, well, just before we signed with them to try and, I think, encourage me to sign with them. Uh, and they just got it a theatrical release, which is really great. It's got like a limited theatrical. Yeah. It's a fucking batshit crazy movie. It's really beautiful. It's shot in 16 millimeter. Oh, wow. Uh, very, wow. very, very original. Like incredibly original. Very bold cool. vision. There are elements of it I don't like, but it's it's very unique, very short, and I think well worth seeing. Madame Yankelova's Fine Literature Club? Yeah. From Israel. Wow. That's a th- that's two thumbs down from Lola. I did not like it. I did oh, not like it. One. I super I was Finally, very frustrated a film with that. that we film. Don't like. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry. They do exist. It just so happened this year there weren't many of them. But mm-hmm. congratulations. I did not like this film. I really didn't <laughs> well like done, it. Then. It was crazy. Like it was great to look at. Oh god. It was great to look at. The plot was all kinds of fucking wrong. The follow through and the reasoning behind why certain things were happening made no sense and was never resolved. I felt like it's like they handed around a bunch of sinister things, but you never really get to see anything. It was very frustrating to watch as someone who like wants some exploration within a plot as to why certain things are occurring. Yeah. It was very frustrating to watch for me. No, no, thank you. No, they showed um, the classic 1980s maniac. So then we also have May the Devil Take You, an Indonesian film. Uh, none I'm of us sorry, saw that. Can you, can you tell us where, where it's from again? Indonesia. Is it pronounced Indonesia in the UK? <laughs> How do you say it? Indonesia. Just like Asia. Oh, Indonesia. Do you say Asia? I'm just curious. Indonesia. Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know. How do you yeah, say Malaysia? We don't. Okay. How do you say, uh, like, the... <laughs> What kind of foil Let's do you wrap your sandwiches? Say bottle. No, I'm just like, kidding. I'm in a dangerous city. Just get in the lawn. There's people banging on the door outside. Say Asia. Those underage Bloody prostitutes monster. trying to break in. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. What's next on the list? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. I like three entry points into this house and there's a fucking lift that goes onto into this apartment. And I'm like, I don't understand the security of this lift because it opens directly into my floor. Oh my god. Um, And I don't have access to it. I don't know where you can get onto it. I'm very confused. The prostitutes do. (laughs) These are my personal problems. Uh, Murder me, comma, monster. Argentinian, France, Chile. Uh, I heard some good stuff about this one. But I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. Neither did I. (laughs) Let's move on with our lives. The Night Comes for Us. This is also an Indonesia film. <laughs> made by the same guy who made Made the Devil Take You, if I'm not mistaken. Same director, oh, Timo really? something. What? Interesting. He directed both of these? Yes. If I, I thought I read that. Yeah. Fuck him. He did two films in the same year. How do you? It was very you unusual. That? You yeah, was, be that guy, apparently. Interesting. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I can't even make one film in 10 years. <laughs> I can't make one album in seven years, so don't feel bad. Terry Gilliam can't make one movie in 30 years. Yeah, but... Well, sorry. he can. He's Terry Gilliam, <laughs> but it takes so him th- no more of that. Did you skip Don Quixote, or is, or is that no, coming again, up? No, we're Don't worry, calm down. Okay, sorry. <laughs> the Night Shifter, which is a Brazilian film. No. Nah. It looks really cool, and I want to see it, but I didn't. Yeah, it's maybe pretty nasty, I think. Yeah, that's, yeah. Why, that's why I didn't see it. There are yeah. a lot of not nasty films at this festival. This was one of them. Yeah. Uh, that was nasty. One Cut of the Dead, which ended up winning the Audience Award. Yeah. And Best Horror see Director. Yeah. I you guys freaking, haven't seen this? I'm so upset that I missed it. I missed it twice. I missed it the first time. 
out of just sheer stupidity. And then the second time I was like so hell bent on seeing it. And then I was like going to pass out because I was so tired, uh, the second showing. And then I had to leave. Well, I've got a screen orphan. See, so you're fine. Okay. <laughs> well, don't, don't tell people that. This is film, but this film's been battering around for so, so long. Mm-hmm. It is good. It is good. It's kind of really bad at the beginning and then it hits a certain point. I don't want to spoil anything where oh, perspective that. changes and it gets really good. Yeah. But I mean, I, I feel like I've, I, to be honest, I feel like I've seen it a lot of times. They do it in a particularly ballsy way though. So, okay. Um, it was good. I'm kicking I myself for not I was really shocked now. when I won the audience award. I was like, yeah. wow, that's kind of too predictable that the kooky Japanese zombie self-referential uh, movie would win yeah. the audience award. But, because there's so many interesting films this year. I was like, really? That's the one? The one that just looks like it would play at any genre think, fest, you know? Well, yeah, I think why. it was surprising because I wa- I'm, I'm not going to lie. I watched the trailer and I was like, I don't, I'm not, I don't think I want to well, see the this. the trailer only shows you like the half of the movie though, right? I know. Like, yeah, they can't show you the, the thing that happens. I know, I know but that's the problem. Like, it didn't have anything in the trailer that pulled me in and I was like, oh, another zombie movie. Okay, whatever. And I think a lot of people probably, their initial gut reaction was something similar and then there was an enormous amount of buzz online. I'm in a group called Fantastic Fest Fiends because we're obsessed with the festival and we go over here and we talk to each other and hang out in Austin and all that crap. There were so many people on there that were just like hyping the hell out of it that I was like, either this movie is fucking awful or it is amazing apparently i was super mm. fucking wrong and i should have seen it and now i regret not seeing it i'm grabbing a bottle of water from the fridge so i'm still listening but i'm not because my headphones are okay so you just keep keep talking about fiends oh do you actually want me to okay about fiends about fiends so there's a group it's a facebook group i'm not even gonna lie but oh, okay. it has a crap ton of people in it and it's called Fantastic Fest Fiends. And that's actually why I ended up becoming so super obsessed with Fantastic Fest is because then you get to meet the people and the people that go to that festival every year are so awesome. And there just happens to be a Facebook group where we all go and talk about this stuff year round. And there's a guy named Rod who actually updates even before the festival. He starts compiling a list of movies who is releasing them and their release dates, which also makes it super easy to pick I get kind of like the screener thing you mentioned earlier where people are like, I have a screener that helps me decide when I'm at Fantastic Fest. I'm like, oh, well, I could see this, but this is coming out six months later. So I'm going to see that's kind of what decided piercing and climax sure. for me, actually, was that list. So anyway, that's Fiends. Yeah, that is a problem. The there are films you see at these genre festivals and then it's two years. Yeah. And they're like not out yet. You know, like Lisa, the <laughs> so Fox Fairy. Yeah. Got to pick right. Uh, open 24 hours that was another movie it's American and Serbian apparently but I think that was just because it was filmed in Serbia because that's yeah. why it's cheap yo to make movies uh, this is a movie that looked right up my alley I was really excited about it it's to do with um, it's a slasher film basically set in one little convenience store where com- a completely inappropriately young and pretty girl is put on the 10 to 6 a.m. night shift in the Not middle of weird nowhere at all. and it starts with the setup is she's Burnt, she burnt her ex-boyfriend basically and he got sent to jail and she got sent to jail and she just come out and this is her first job so it's kind of psychological slasher film and i was like this sounds fucking great just sounds like fun uh, and the trailer's actually edited pretty well it looks kind of glossy it's starring yeah. vanessa grass from leatherface and i liked her in leatherface i did not like this film at all <laughs> if i hadn't ordered food i would have walked out um, wow shit. i thought this was a piece of shit uh, cool. to be honest. Cool, cool. and i kind of feel bad because i think i met someone off of this but you know what can you do you gotta be you're nice for being honest right what, otherwise yeah, your opinion yeah. means what nothing. made it that's like the strongest opinion about a movie that you've voiced on this podcast so far um tonight i, I, why, loved, why, I loved something didn't i i love something 
I loved something. But it hate me how, opinion. You you hated something so much. You're like what what why so? I didn't hate it. I mean, but the thing this was the kind of film that I was relieved the festival wasn't full of, which I expected it to be full uh, of. Because this is the kind of thing you'd get at Fright Fest, and you'd be like, oh, that you'd be grateful for open twenty four hours. You're like, oh, a, a moder- moderately okay film. Um, when in truth, it's like no, it's a piece of shit. But judged on the horror, the bell curve. <laughs> You know, you're like, oh, that's enjoyable because let's face it, I love horror. Majority yeah. of horror are terrible movies, but they can still be enjoyable. And particularly if you're a genre fan, it's like anime, you know? Yeah. I love anime. Majority yeah. is trash. Yeah. <laughs> this movie, just like it did nothing. Like the direction was adequate at best, the huh. writing was terrible, and the acting, like I have a list of people I want to work with in an ideal situation that I'm like, I would love to work with this person, this person, this person. Like I say, Margaret jumped straight to the top of my list after yeah. this festival uh vanessa used to be on that list i liked her after leatherface and she's of the kind of like uh level where i was like maybe i could get her she immediately i deleted her off my list after oh. seeing that film that night Damn. Wow. she's terrible she is Sorry, terrible vanessa. you guys can't see me but i'm like covering my my face with my hands it's just so harsh I'm sorry. For my career, I should say nicer things on this podcast because we're a public <laughs> forum. But I don't. I just. I'm sorry. My opinion is my opinion. I don't. I don't like this movie. Uh-huh. It was a real waste of of everything it could have been. And it does stuff with slasher villains that I just. I hate. I hate um, it when people don't know how to shoot a slasher villain. It pisses me off. Just like watch some fucking movies and learn. You know. We could talk about another movie that I didn't like. Overlord. <laughs> uh, this was you a big didn't movie. like Overlord. We're gonna get to it. This is a big movie. They did a whole party based around it. It's obviously mm-hmm. quite a big film. It's a bad robot film. J.J. Abrams' name all over it. It was the one, if you're listening and wondering, and you're like, oh, yeah, I think I heard of that. This is the one that for almost a year was non-contradicted by the producers or J.J. Oh. Abrams or anyone as being, over, as being um, sorry, Cloverfield 4. Yeah. Um, and they basically confirmed, there's actually a press release where they basically confirmed it was Cloverfield 4. Um, like that and means then, any goddamn thing anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah, and uh, so basically he was doing the opposite of what he did with the other ones, where he'd pretend it wasn't. With this one, he was pretending it was, and then the day the trailer dropped, J.J. suddenly came out and said, no, no, this isn't Cloverfield 4. So a lot of people were going into this going, maybe it is still Clover, and he's like triple bluffing us. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? Uh, (laughs) I used to, uh, I used this this coming from someone who used to care immensely about, oh my God, there's another Cloverfield movie coming out? And after, I mean, 10 Cloverfield Lane was like, okay, it's just a theme. And then after the Cloverfield Paradox, I was like, well, now I've retroactively disliked the Cloverfield franchise. <laughs> yeah, Paradox um, is annoying as hell. But no, I, I, I think Overlord, uh, like, who, I couldn't care less about its connection to anything else. Well, it's not. You're, it's, you're in luck. It's, it's a Nazi, Nazi zombies, zombie. And, yeah. you know, it is a fun film to dislike. You know, so you enjoyed. Oh, I I enjoyed it, but I also disliked it. If that makes sense, there it had a, it had a lot of issues. I don't know about you, the theater that you guys saw it in, but it was insanely loud, like to an annoying degree. Yeah, oh, a lot it was of people super said that. Loud. I was fine with that. I was fine with that. It might have been the theater, but uh, it was you know it, it was stupid. It was schlock, and you know it was uh, it was entertaining at times, but it was never like. It's never super satisfying, you know. Lola's looking like she has contradictions to me. No, no, no. Go for it. I'm Go just, for it. I, 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 uh, it's kind of like Indiana Jones had sex with Castle Castle Wolfenstein, and they had a really fucking popular baby. Well, that sounds great. 
Wolf- yeah. Wolfenstein Wolfenstein was like compared Wolfenstein is so much fun. But that's mm-hmm. so the thing is it's fun, right? But it's also like let's think of all the things that are super popular right now in media and film and jam them into a mm-hmm. movie but also make a lot of direct nostalgic references. Like there was a direct reference to the thing in this movie oh, sure. involving Wyatt Russell. Which I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, it was just, it was really, I liked the movie. It was a lot of fun. I would not by far call it my favorite movie of the festival, you know, but it was the kind of thing you want to see in a theater. It's another thing you want to see in a theater with a bunch of people, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the kind of thing, there are a lot of movies I won't see, probably wouldn't watch at home, but I'd go and see in the theater once because the the grand scale of what they're doing and the special effects and the explosions and the craziness like yeah that makes it appealing i'm glad i watched it i wouldn't have missed it it was fun watching like someone's spine like shoot through their the top of their you know torso and then everyone in the audience goes ooh you know that's yeah, exactly like the best circumstance to watch a film like that so these are some of my pro like it's it's a lot of fun nowadays to hate on something so i'd love to have that much vitriol for it but i don't like the truth is is like it's pretty well made i think the lead guy is fantastic yeah, um, yeah. i think he's really great the problem my problem with it is that i was actually kind of excited for it and i think the first half of it is made really well it's a fun effective war movie that uh, i know people were saying i heard people talking about it like it was band of brothers it's like it is not like uh, band of brothers. no like, it's just the first half of it like it's trying to be serious, but it's not talented enough to be really serious, but it's fun and it's well made. And it's got some effective war moments in that first half. And I was really yeah. enjoying it. I was like, I'm in for this because I know it's going to go crazy. And all the trailers are like not showing you what's going to happen. Like we're not going to show you what it is and yeah. appearing through these little holes in the wall and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, it's going to go fucking crazy. And I'm excited for that. No, where it goes to spoilers is one dude with basically CGI veins in his face growling for about 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, and that's basically it. And I found it embarrassing. When it actually got to what they were, because they were vamping this film as like, this is crazy. Are you ready to go crazy? Yeah. And yeah, oh my God, we went insane. was so but what like, about And talking what about, about it as getter? if it was like a- What about the guy like that's a, like the creep, the one creeper, but he was gone so fast. It's like, there's no, it's blank and you miss it. There's no, like, nothing. <laughs> the second half of this movie, I hate so much. Yeah. I hate it so yeah. much. Because, because yeah, you're right. Everyone was like, oh, get ready for the ride of your life, yeah. right? The, the dude came out and was like, this movie is the most exciting movie. I was like, all right, let's go for it. Like, I'm ready for it. Just a balls to the wall, Mad Max Fury Road, like, just nonstop action. And we get, like, a really good, decent chunk of action in, 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 like, the first 10 minutes. And then it comes to a grinding halt for an mm, oh, hour. Oh, yeah, there's a yeah. huge middle gap, which is just, like, so slow. It's Fuck, I very slow. Which I'm fine with if you then go insane, but they yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end, it's like, okay. And then this big patty comes around who can, like, kill you instantly if he, like, touches you. He'll just, like, snap your neck. But instead, he, like, throws the main character around for, like, just two people punching each other, growling. I found it embarrassing. I read it. And then then they're talking about it as if it was really violent and gross. And I was like, it was so tame. It was like watching a Resident Evil movie. It was just like- It's- I don't know. I really hated the second half of it. And then it left a bad taste in my mouth because- calling him out but julius avery who's the director of this he got up on stage and maybe he's nervous maybe it's a one-off thing maybe he's a lovely guy but he came across as really disinterested in the project he came across as like really just ungrateful about it i was mm-hmm. like you got this is his second film i think and he got to work with bad robot i was like come on man like be grateful i don't know how this script gets greenlit with bad robot it's one of those scripts where it's like 
you've seen this a th- if you're a horror fan and a computer game fan you've seen this a thousand times before yeah like, there's so many things like this out there there's nothing unique or new about it and somehow the only thing that's unique about this is it has a whole load of money in it so it looks good for the most part anyway yeah. i don't know how bad robot were like yeah this is the script to put all this money and, and advertising into. I don't Are the Nazis it. portrayed as bad guys? All right, you're good. Yeah. Check. Go for it. Uh, particularly from J.J. Abrams, you're like, all right, it is going to go somewhere crazy you would never expect at the end. It's like, no, doesn't at all. It's exactly no, what never, you see. Never was surprised. Never. Uh, yeah. But again, it's fine. It's completely fine. But it was just the second half was such a big disappointment for me. It really pissed me off. Cool. There's a film called Piercing. Didn't oh. see it. No, Lola didn't see it because she hates it. No. Uh, the film that I'm probably most upset that I didn't get to see was The Quake, which I was really excited about. It's a Norwegian film. It is the sequel uh, to Olgen, known as The Wave, which I love, uh, which was directed by Raw Uthaug, who many years ago did Cold Prey, which is one of the best slasher films ever made. Oh, yeah. And right. recently he, he didn't do The Quake because he went to do Tomb Raider instead, which is one oh. of the best video games movies ever made, which is saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's very true the quake is meant to be brilliant it's actually got the same family and the same actors in there even though the director is different and i've heard from people that you can't even tell it's a different director like they do a great job continuing, that's awesome um another day in this poor family <laughs> jesus <laughs> christ <laughs> poor goddamn family uh looks really good just I stay at home <laughs> i i love the wave so now i have to see it <laughs> yeah i was that was the one i was really pissed to miss they yeah. actually programmed it um against what was it fuck i forgot it was, it was in a tough slot yeah yeah there was one called savage i saw this one this was from france and mm. it's starring that little fucking depp girl <laughs> who just can't you open her johnette depp yeah johnette depp. depp who just looks like she's just yeah i think we talked about it and i said she <laughs> reminds me of sasha gray <laughs> but <laughs> sasha sasha gray has an excuse for looking like she's dead inside because she's done terrible things <laughs> I, but yeah. I don't know if Lily Depp has done terrible things, but from the look she, of her face, yeah. She I came out so. of Johnny Depp and it looks like they just like cut of off his arm <laughs> and then it just grew into a small Johnny Depp with tits. Like I could uh, not yeah. disconnect Johnny Depp from her watching it, which was like super disconcerting while watching this. But he had energy as a kid. I mean, remember him in Nightmare on Elm Street. He's fucking right, He's got so much bubbly energy before he kind of lost it. She's just... <laughs> She's dead inside. Yeah, she's Which, dead inside. Uh, to be honest, works well for this film. Yeah, uh, so I like to in the film. But the thing is, like, it's it's hard to tell. That's the thing, and that's this is what we talked about. I it's hard for me to tell because I haven't seen her act in really anything aside from this. If her affect was due to the direction in the film or the script, or if that's just her, but I I don't know if I care to find out. After this, I yeah, did not like I, I this movie. I don't follow people on social media. So maybe she's, yeah, maybe honestly, for the sake of my career later on, maybe she's a great actress and this is all just <laughs> happening on. Because it did work very well for the film. But there's a sullenness in the eyes that I was yeah. like, I was worried she can't shake off. I didn't like this. Well, actually, I liked this film quite a lot. I didn't. It was another film for me where the ending just let it down. It was an ending yeah. where I was like, well, I know exactly where this is going because there's only one way for you to go with this. Right. and it didn't surprise me but i thought yeah. it was well made it was fine i really did enjoy this movie a lot and i i didn't mind uh lily rose's performance uh just just because i was really enamored with the idea of a character who is 
obsessed with just creating a mystery because her life is so boring or she finds her life and her world and the people in it so boring that she just wants to create something elusive and mysterious and then confides in this in this weird guy to do that very handsome i love him i love i love how riders are always that ridiculously handsome (laughs) i loved that guy he was the best part of the movie no, he, he was great. Was great. I, I liked I liked his performance too. Uh, no, I, I gotta <laughs> he say he looked like Wolverine and had sex with Gambit. <laughs> he did perfect, nailed and it with, with a, a little bit of Winter Soldier in there. Yeah, he. Uh, I no, I actually really enjoyed this film a lot. And and even though the the ending, I think could have could have been done, Put your top back could have been tackled man. differently. It reminded me of a like a Bong Joon Ho film where you've got this sort really? of yes, yeah, okay. like a small rural town, and you've got something that's like it's not supernatural, but it's offbeat. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you've got this weird mixture of of comedy and like just not not tragedy, but these situations that should be like mundane and trivial. I guess I don't know. It was I I definitely enjoyed definitely enjoyed it uh, more than I was expecting to. Is it not a film for me? Like these are the type of films that I grew up with. Like this is just such a European film and yeah. I think it's lovely and it's nicely made, but you have to have something new to say. And I thought they did. I like what you're talking about, you know, and what they were t- talking about in order creating myths and things, but it was just the ending. I was like, okay, but you need to disarm me at the ending. And you didn't, there was only one way for it yep. to go and you just tick the box. And, and to be honest, I've now forgotten about it. Yeah. Yep. I think for a, a film that was so practical and literal and uh, also uh, I gotta, I gotta just quickly mention that I love the detective character. I liked her a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah! Ending the film with a into the camera monologue. No spoilers. Okay. Oh, sorry, <laughs> that's not a huge. There's spoiler. talking. <laughs> there's there's talking. No, that, I no, I agree. Uh, ending it in such a way that was a little uh, like that. You would expect that from a different movie. Yeah, you know? sure. We should also say you were paired with this movie, so your oh, short yeah. film. I, and and I, I have to say, like the, again, this is you're going to hear this a lot. Uh, but like the director is just an amazing person. Like he was super sweet. He seemed really nice. Uh, he was he was super nice. And uh, again, spoke uh, didn't speak a whole lot of English. I mean, with the English that he did speak, he spoke really well. But during the Q and A, you could tell he was he it, it was it was a little awkward for him. Yeah. And it, it was tragic because talking to him one on one, like he felt more comfortable and explained like what what he was trying to do with the film and and everything. And it was harder right. to get a lot of that across in the Q and A. But I thought it was great. It made me like the film more. It's one of those things. It does when you're at a festival meeting the creators definitely makes you like or yeah. dislike films. And you more. feel terrible yeah. for being such a cynical asshole when you're <laughs> sitting yeah. in like, No, he seemed great. He seemed really lovely. No, yeah. Yeah, and we should probably use this as the platform to talk about your film. Yeah. What? what are we doing that? Bedridden play before it. So we should say how if anybody who's listening, if they want to see um, your work. Do you have other work of yours online? They're not yeah. going to be able to see Bedridden for a uh, while, I presume. Yes, uh, it's it's on uh, the YouTube's. You can Google my name, Franklin Rich R I T C H, and my YouTube channel uh, is is Last Resort Ideas. That's our LLC. It's that's name. our little. It's our little studio. Um, very genuinely, not just because we became friends over the festival. I really <laughs> love your short, oh, and I hate mm-hmm. shorts. I really hate shorts. I it I was, again. I sat down to watch it. We become friends, and then I finally got to see it a few days later. And you're paranoid, then because you're like, "Ah, oh, shit, I'm gonna hate this." And then I've got to lie to the <laughs> yeah, guy, and right. I'm not good at lying, as you found in this podcast. Mm-hmm. And no, it was really great. It's really nicely made. It's very focused. You. You've got great ideas, like all the pitches you were telling me over the week. You got great, <laughs> they were great, great. simple ideas, <laughs> even the stupid ones. Yeah, and yeah, I really, really love it. Like it's, it's everyone should check out. 
I appreciate that. And it's dealing with stuff that I didn't expect you to be dealing with. Which well, it, it's cool hearing all this feedback from people that you don't know and people coming up. And again, you sort of make it just be for your, for yourself. And you think, you know, I like this, but who cares what anyone else thinks? And then having people come up and be like, oh my God, I feel the same way. That's really validating, uh, especially when it's something that makes you feel very alone. And then hearing from other people like, no, 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 I feel the exact same way or, you know, I relate to this a lot. That That's that's just really nice to hear and makes you not feel like a crazy person as much. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Shut up. I'm there's, not crying. You're crying. There's a film <laughs> called Schools Out. I wanted to see this as well. There's a whole like trifecta of sort of teenagers yeah. in Europe films. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't get to see this either. Did anyone see this one? I no. didn't see this. I saw his um his prior film, which the US title was Faultless. I think Oh yeah. I think it was like Irreprochable was the French title. But uh I loved Faultless. Um and I saw that maybe two years ago at Fantastic Fest. And I really wanted to see this again. It was in a tough slot. Either that or I sang karaoke or I don't know, drank. I, I can't remember, but I really wanted to see this movie. I heard great things. At the same time. Yeah, I possibly. think you bore witness to that. Yes. Yeah, I did. I have recorded evidence. Yes. You can follow me on the Twitters to see it soon. No. Fuck. Zhang Yimao had a new film uh, with Shadow. I wanted to see this as well. Fuck, man. I want to see so many of these films. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the director of House of Flying Daggers. That's him, mm. isn't it? Zhang Yimao. And some other things too. Very, it looks beautiful from the trailers, but no one really. I didn't hear that many people talking about it. But I didn't either. I, th- I think it's just it's because it's such a surefire thing. I mean, it, he's su- such a big director. It's like you yeah. know what it's going to be. The standoff at Sparrow Creaky. This film was garbage. I hated Let's it. Move on. <laughs> this was one of your favorites, wasn't it? It was my favorite movie, probably. Um, no wow. offense. Yours was also in the top three. So throw that out there. But you know, you shut up. This I I love this movie, and I I think it's because it it had such a strong stage connection. And I some of my background is doing stage, either being on the stage or behind the scenes. And I really there's a play by Martin McDonough I really love called Pillow Man. Uh, it is a super fucked up play with a super fucked up uh, subject matter, but the dialogue is very crisp and the the there's also interviewing a lot of interviewing that happens and when you think there's a lot going to be a lot of dialogue in a movie that's supposed to evoke things like standoff and action and fighting you know you think you'd be disappointed but um, you're not it's very tense and it draws you along the entire time and when i i asked him a question at the q a after i was like hey this has a really strong stage play feel uh, I would ask you what movies were you inf- were you influenced by, but clearly there has to have been some sort of stage play influence here because there's just there's no way that you're not you know evoking this this and this. And he's like, actually, I was reading Tom Stoppard's Five Plays, and I was like, yes, I freaking knew it. Yeah. I was super happy with that answer, and I told him afterwards. And I met Patrick Fischler, and I wanted to cry because I love that man. I'm done now. I'm good. I'm so, I don't know how I'm going to see some of these films are so frustrating because that was one that was on my list before I went in and then I just could do, couldn't get to see it. Oh, um, and it's like, when am I going to get to see this? I have no it's fucking so good. idea. Then my film played 99 minutes. Believe it. That's how long it is. Uh, starfish. Okay. Then we had Strike Dear what? Mistress. Wait, and no, 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 We're definitely skipping Stop it. We're not Stop discussing my me? film on my podcast. I, I can don't. shut this down whenever I want. I got to talk about how the director recording. was a complete asshole at the Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you fucking yeah. That's actually how we met. Actually, I'll tell that story. I'm happy with that. Me and Franklin <laughs> met because he asked me what I thought was a pointed, backhanded compliment. <laughs> Q&A okay, question. Okay, okay, okay. What well, was it? What was it? I was at both <laughs> no, screens. I, I don't remember the question. We listened to it recorded. and I totally get how I meant it. This was also the first film that I saw. Mind you, the first film I saw at the festival. Are you kidding me? I did no. not know that. Yeah, it was the first film. by circumstance then, really. <laughs> so, first question I ever asked too at a Q&A and I totally messed up the wording. So, it sounded like what I was saying was like, <laughs> well, when I, when I, cause I was, I was talking about like how I, I asked a question about how, when you make something that's personal to you, how do you know when it's too personal or not? Because the, what I was trying to say was I didn't realize that the film was a, uh, you know, it w- was dedicated to anybody or was about real experiences or, or based on real experiences until the ending when it says this film is dedicated to the memory of. And so my, my question I started my question by saying, like, as someone who has struggled with, you know, making a film that's personal or or telling a story that's very personal, and I get that, like, that could have been interpreted as I'm referring to Al, like, you know, Al, as someone who has struggled with this, when in (laughs) reality, when I was, like, referring to myself as being someone who struggled with it. The thing was, I really respected it because I was ready. Again, it was like I was new to the festival. We were shown on the first full day. So not an opening night, but next day. And I was kind of, I was learning how the crowd is there. And the crowd is so respectful. And again, not gushing and not, you know, being mean. Except and for I've that seen one redhead, be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've seen people be very mean in, in genre uh, Q&As. Um, so I was fucking ready. I was like, you know, my film is definitely not for everyone. I There's lots of bits of it that I'm not happy with. But, you know, so I was ready for people to just call me out on stuff and, <laughs> you know, really challenge me. So when you did that, I was like, oh, cool. All right. At least it's like an intelligent <laughs> way to call me out on stuff. So I was, <laughs> I was ready to just punch you in the face. <laughs> you answered the question wonderfully. I think one of your producers was like ready to like fight me. <laughs> I, who? I'm not Sorry. sure. It wasn't yeah. Allie. It was some. I, I, yeah, I'll be out there. I got a dirty look, though. I saw. <laughs> For sure. Anyway, there we go. What was? I don't even notice this film was at a festival. Strike, dear mistress, and cure his heart. Yes, yes. Do you realize that one of the people at Don's Depot that we talked to, yeah. Jacob, was yeah. heavily involved with that film? Because I think yes. he was really? the director, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And no, he, was he wasn't. Awesome. He was, no, he wasn't. He was the star. He was the star. He was the star. Oh, I thought oh, he was the director. He was the leading yeah, male. He was the leading guy. man. He was hilarious and uh, kept dribbling stuff on his penis. He was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. No, 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 no. Okay, Just so I'm, I think I'm the only person of the three of us that, that watched it. Okay. Well, it was 71 minutes. So oh, my God. That, <laughs> I love that. I love it so much. Uh, it is, once again, it's, it's one of those films that's not for everyone. I, I watched it in a theater with a bunch of people that didn't get it. And so I was the only person <laughs> laughing. Because it it is a it is a it, it's hard to even call it a parody because of how deadpan and straight faced it is. But it is a hundred percent a a fantastic like play on you know uh, on Igor Birdman and and like the sort of um, if you've ever seen a, a a British television show called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, <laughs> it is that, but without like any winks or nods. It is just a like the the script is very very blatantly written in a way that that is is with with this dated dialogue or dialect and then you know you've got these characters that are all dressed in you know very fluctuating period 
dress and yet there's a Ford F-150 in the background like a <laughs> and 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 all the characters oh sorry my ear thing fell out uh all, all of the characters have all of these big like um long sentences and and everything is super wordy and yet you can tell the the actors are we're, we're told like very bizarre things like don't move your face while you're delivering this line or like you know make sure that that you never fluctuate the i don't know how to explain it you just have to watch it look it up this guy's make like 40 films and he's he, yeah he That's he does them with, yeah he does them what with the like fuck? tiny little micro budgets <laughs> of of like he does it for like ten thousand dollars a film or even less like five thousand dollars and like features yeah features but when when you watch it you, un- you understand why like he he literally is just sort of he just does one after another and they're all fun as far as i can tell i've only seen this one but i fell in love with it <laughs> and him and and the style and everything and the and the guy who's in it too like and every everyone seems to be in on the joke except the audience which i think is part of the joke because uh, the audience like watches it and they think oh this is you know a pretentious you know film but i'll sit and watch it because i'm a i'm a good moviegoer it's hilarious where in you realize oh wait no this is all intentionally you're looking it up on the ipad lola (laughs) (laughs) no i can't describe it you just have to watch it just watch it don't even listen to what i'm saying like if 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 you find it funny you'll find it funny if (laughs) you don't listen you know it's not for you you should be a reviewer (laughs) okay then we had sudden fury which was from 1975 so i'm not gonna talk about that terrified this is not a film i really wanted to see it was one of the yeah. few films at the festivals that was meant to deliver real spookies, uh, like a true, true, just balls to the wall horror film. Anybody see it? No. It's going to be on Shudder in a couple weeks, which oh, is why great. I didn't oh, see it. Yeah. Cool. cool. I only signed up to Shudder like about a month ago. So I'm it's worth it. Mm-hmm. It is, again, because it's the only place in you can see Hide and Go Shriek in HD. <laughs> Tumbad. This is an Indian film. Lola saw this, or she's just happy with no, the use it. of two Bs next to each other. You did? I, I did see it. I did. Okay. It was good. It was really good. I like foreign horror because it's interesting to watch how other countries interpret what's scary to me. Mm-hmm. That's something that's always really interesting. I like to travel a lot, and I, I like to travel to different parts of Asia. And culture from India is especially interesting, especially film culture in India is really rich. And so I liked seeing a different side of Indian film. Because okay. what they've shown here in the past have been some like when they had the the India year they had a really a few really big Bollywood production uh, films uh, in the mix and they're classics and Josh Hurtado does a lot of the the programming that has to do with films out of India and he always chooses really great stuff and this was shorter and very focused and spooky and kind of wrapped up in in myth and uh, legend and i i I loved it i loved it and the kids in it were freaking awesome um they were they were kind of little shits but i loved them they were great they were really good (laughs) um and the the lead actor also was super punchable in the best way so uh it was it was a it was a pretty fascinating uh story about greed and it was it was awesome great okay I'm genuinely very interested when we get to the end of this for you to like give your top sort of four films and like because okay. there's so many you like like I I'm can. uh the unthinkable is a movie from Sweden I didn't get to see this anybody no uh violence Voyager has a great poster love it 
um, and an 83-minute Japanese film. That's quite a rarity. I feel like really this podcast is just about run times. Because <laughs> we seem pretty focused on it. Uh, Werewolf. It's a Polish, Netherlands, and Germany. Nobody saw this either. When the Trees Fall. Ukraine, mm. Poland, and Macedonia. Mm-mm. White Fire they had. This is from 1984, though. The Wind. I saw this one. Mm. Yeah. Is that, you saw it, yeah, right? I saw it. Franklin, did you see it? I did not. Did you see it? I know Katie saw I it. I did. Okay. I what'd, you th- what'd you think I of it? I actually loved it. I have a couple of problems when it gets to the horror. It's definitely a very slow burn. It's not for many people. Uh, you might have noticed from my film, I like films with not many people and not much talking um, and a lot of wind. <laughs> this film has all three of those things. Uh, I thought the central performance was really fucking good. I thought the sound design was great. I thought the cinematography was stunning. Um, no, I really, I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful film and it built a mood so well. When it got to the payoff of horror, yeah, I was let down in a few places, but it wasn't terrible. And I guess a criticism I can say is I don't know if I can remember the ending. I'm trying to think of it right now. That's, you you just described the ending. It, I, I just want to know, Al, like, what, yes. how, was, how was the wind in it, though? Like, what was the quality Honestly, of wind? as someone who had to work with my sound team, to, because there's not much electricity or power in our film, and that's a big problem for sound uh, design, because then it's like most stuff in the background you hear comes from electricity. So then it's like, oh, great. We just have to work with wind a lot of the time. I thought the wind, I really appreciate the wind design in this film. But it was just, I, my, I, I had such a good, I love mood pieces and it was a real mood piece. And the cinematography was stellar, really stellar. I liked it better than Savage. If we're talking about pieces that evoke mood, right? Sure. And evoked yeah. a certain feeling of a certain setting at a certain time, right? Those, are, those two movies really kind of focus on that right let's be fair i really enjoyed this movie but then kind of it just drifted away as it kept going and i I didn't really take me to the spooky place that it felt like it was setting me up for and i I was kind of let down by that yeah like it it hinted at it and it kind of like threw it at you a couple times with some jump scares and then it just kind of like faded away into something you know dreamy and it's also one of those films where watching it you could tell it was a female director behind it but for me in the good ways with that you know i normally like i tend to like to watch films where you can't tell who's behind like what race what religion what you know like what sex they are i could definitely feel a female hand behind the direction of this film but in a really lovely lovely way the male and female leads were awesome like the the husband and wife i fucking loved them she was amazing really good Oh, yeah, she, without her, like, it would have fallen apart, like, yeah. even with the beautiful cinematography. Oh. There's a film called The Wolf House. This is a strange uh, movie that I heard a bunch of people talking about and explaining, and it sounds fascinating. Um, it's a Chilean film, 73 minutes long. Stop motion. Yeah. Yeah, I heard some stories. I think this is the one I heard stories about where it's like it's all from tearing stuff in yep. the stop motion. And then they met the director. Um, someone was telling me they're like sitting and he still tears stuff with his hands because he spent five years making this film. Holy and she's now shit. conditioned to just keep tearing like whatever he's holding, basically. Wow. That's. But yeah, it sounds pretty terrifying. Pretty full on art- artistic, creative passion film. We've only got two more films, guys, to talk about. Oh. Can you believe it? You might be the killer. People are yeah. looking down as if I missed stuff. This is what the program's given me. Have I missed stuff? Other the than guilty. 
Oh, why is that not? Why how did we? Because miss that? you said it, and then you went straight into um, did I? something else. Yes, yeah. and then you were like, "No, I didn't miss it. We're not there yet. Fuck you." We're, and then we're you kept going We'll go over the, the list of films it doesn't matter. that it doesn't we may matter. have missed. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. This guy skipped the whole dark accidentally. All right. Well, let's talk about the guilty now. The guilty from uh, Denmark. It was good. It was really good. <laughs> All right. Let's move I feel on. Better. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I didn't no, see it. <laughs> it's considering that you don't see, uh, I don't know, a good 90% of the other actors in the film uh, or the key characters in the film. It is done exceptionally well. It's not something that you would think would be very, uh, very gripping as a result. It's just a guy on a phone for like, I don't know, however long. What's the runtime, Al? Hang on. Okay. It is, oh, 85 minutes. Okay. It's just a guy on a phone Good for about 80 minutes of that and on a headset. And sometimes he gets mad and flips tables and shit. But it's really fucking good. And you just, you get very wrapped up in the story and they don't reveal too much too quickly. There are some twists and turns throughout. They keep it fresh and exciting because of the fact that you're staring at this dude. He's not, he seems very real. He seems uh, very believable in the role. He sounds as, like my father, yeah. actually. He's your dad. It was your dad. I'm sorry. On the phone for 80 minutes, and then just when he's not, dark. he's flipping tables and getting yep. mad. He just was like, halfway through the movie, in um, his native tongue, he said, damn it, Franklin. I heard it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, I'm going to recommend it anyway, because it's under 90 minutes. So. It was good. <laughs> All right. What is your quote-unquote last film of the list? There's two more films I've got. You Might Be the Killer. Yeah. And we're actually going to have some of the guys behind us, the editor and the composer, I think, are going to be on our podcast next week oh, um, nice. to talk a bit oh, about awesome. their experiences with the festival. Well, uh, they're both lovely people. Yeah. Talking to them quite a bit. It's directed by Brett Simmons, who did... Uh, I'm going to call right back to his first film. He did that um, scarecrow film, Husk, um, which I said to him that I'd seen that film and I quite and I liked it. And he was like, holy shit, you saw Husk? <laughs> like, oh, <it's> Husk. <laughs> But I believe it's still doing some festivals. You might be the killers going to... Where is it going? It's going to a streaming service. Um, very, very, oh, no, it's going to Sci-Fi. I think it's getting a premiere on Sci-Fi next week or something. Uh, this is a fun movie. It's with... What's his name? Fran Kranz. Yes. And He's awesome. Alison Hannigan. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing actually evolved. If you want to look it up, um, it, there's a whole conversation that happened online. This Twitter conversation. It's, it's, it's perpetuated to be the first feature film based on a Twitter based conversation. <laughs> Wait, seriously? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because the story evolved through this Twitter exchange online and they bought the rights to that and then turned it into this film. And then they kind of try and put that in a movie in a way with this phone conversation that happens. It's fun. It's cheap. I think with more money it, uh, and a little bit more something, it could have been up there, you know, with like not the great horror comedies, but with like a Tucker and Dale or something like that, which ah. I love. It doesn't quite have that level in it, but it's a really fun movie. It's a good midnight movie. It moves at a fast pace. Franz is fun. Hannigan's fun as well. Uh, and there are some fun kills in there as well. I enjoyed it, actually. I did. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. It was a really good midnight movie. You know, not so dark that you, you know, feeling miserable afterwards, but, you know, it's, it's still dark enough and still it was a good, it was a good balance of, of um, horror and comedy. Um, leaning and on, the, on the comedy. Yeah, it's hard to stay funny, I feel, throughout a horror comedy. Normally, they start strong and then just, just get boring. Um, mm-hmm. But they still had some funny bits at the end. Which yeah, I yeah. Nice. I agree. The closing night film was bad. Oh, actually, what the fuck is Under the Silver Lake? Is that not in the program? I was about yeah, to say, like, you, there's you like, we've skipped five either. films. No, but it's not in the program. I'm going through it page by page. 
Um, there were a couple of really late additions. It's possible that they weren't uh, in the program. Fuck them. Fuck Perhaps. Because yeah. I was going to say, I've never looked in this program and I'm flipping through and I'm um, like, oh my God, they used a very, they the made our picture you also, look very dark. Um, the perfection was one yeah. that we didn't go over. Um, okay. Suspiria, which, you know, Suspiria. Yeah, that. that was a secret cinema uh, film. Bad Times yeah. at the El Royale under yeah. the Silver that's Lake. That's one we're about to and get And then to. my personal favorite as well, but we can, we can get to that. I can't believe we've, like, I didn't know I was going for a full D program, guys, that we should have been doing something else. So, um, you should go to the uh, Fantastic Fest website and, the, like, the My Fantastic Fest and go Too through the, now. okay. What are the ones Ooh. we want to talk about? Yeah. Um, well, Bad Times at El Royale, that was the closing film. Yeah, let's talk about uh, that. This is from Drew Goddard, the director of Cabin in the Woods. I love. Uh, yeah, I love Cabin in the Woods. This was, like, a really old-fashioned style, you know, like almost Agatha Christie kind of like whodunit thing with lots and lots of characters trapped in one place. Um, I love that kind of thing. I, you know, I even love films like Identity. So this is, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of excited for this. It's got a lot of actors. I don't know if without the actors, I'm interested how well this is going to do in cinemas basically. Yeah. Cause I feel yeah. without Thor, I don't know how well this would do. Um, but it's got good actors. I think the direction is good. Um, it's pretty bold. It's got some very funny moments in it, which surprised me. Um, and then some quite dark moments in it. But it was kind of just, I don't know, it felt kind of forgettable to me. It felt like it could have been, it felt like it had a lot of great parts, but it came to not a very interesting hole for me. I can see that. I mean, it had some, I don't know, emotional moments as well, which I thought were very touching, which surprised me and felt almost out of yeah. place in the movie. And I think... You know, because I think I was sitting next to you guys and I was clearly like very, very sad during a couple of those parts. It's like, oh my God. I just, it felt, it felt like it was trying to be too many movies at once, almost. Like I really wanted it to be like identity, you know, and kind of stick to that very cerebral, very whodunit atmosphere. But it kept straying away from that into other areas, right? Into like crime spree land and into... Uh, hopeless mm-hmm. ingenue land. I just like it was too much, too much. It, it lacked focus, and that is the thing yeah. that bothered me. Yeah, I think that what what encompasses what you're saying the the most, Lola, is the when we cut to these flashbacks or when we cut to these backstories, which we didn't need to see. Like we were getting yeah. all that just from the characters themselves, um, and I think all that information came out organically later, anyways. Yep. I, I feel like just staying at the hotel. I, I didn't mind the the time jumps going sort of back and forth between the different perspectives. And then so we, we see something happen and then we see the same thing happen again, but from a different perspective, like five minutes earlier, I didn't mind that as much. Uh, but I do think that some, some of those, it started to feel a little, like you said, without uh, as much focus as something like cabin in the woods or even a film yeah. that a lot of people are comparing it to like hateful eight. Ah, okay. But uh, overall though, I, I enjoyed it immensely. I think there there were there were a couple of like oh my god moments that I that I really really loved a couple of lines that I, I thought were were brilliant and of course you know uh, the performance from um, I don't know her name but the the lead actress that were just really stellar she was so yeah. good there's an exchange with her and Thor that's the highlight of the movie oh for me god. for sure but but yeah I mean I think that's the thing it was like because it's Drew Goddard and because of all the moving pieces I was expecting it to come together to something fucking crazy it's not and a instead it's yeah. very pedestrian by the end 
Uh, I was much, I yeah. was kind of expecting there's going to be like a cabin. No spoilers for Cabin of Woods either. But yeah, I was expecting yeah. it was going to be that kind of ending where it's like, oh wow, they went for it. Like they were just like, no, they we're going like to fucking just go fucking all way. in. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna go it, all it in, ends, and they do not. The second go act, where Cabin of the Woods like commits to all three acts and makes yeah. sure that Act Three is the you know like Home yeah, Alone, yeah. like it is the act that you remember. Uh, and when whereas, you're setting up a crazy mystery like this film, it's like yeah, you gotta have a good payoff. And instead, the payoff it kind of seems to forget all the pieces by the end, and it just focuses on one thing, and you're like, well, that's not that interesting. That's right. <sighs> yeah, and it's something that is just you don't discover until the last until the moment it happens. It's like yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So then we had Under the Silver Lake. Yeah. Yeah. That's the uh, Andrew Garfield movie. Um, sorry, I'm spacing on the director's name now. What's his name again? It Follows Guy. Yeah, I yeah. his fucking name. It's the guy directed It Follows and he directed The Myth of the American Mr. Sleeper. Another Robert David Mr. Mitchell. Three names, yeah. Robert David Mitchell, which always fucks me up because we have a um, David Mitchell in the UK. Oh my God, that's right. He's oh, awesome. I love really. yes. uh, we, I love The Myth of the American Sleepover. I love yeah. It Follows. Uh, so I was very hyped by this and I didn't read anything about it. So I didn't know the kind of film it was going to be before mm-hmm. I went in, yeah. which I think was a bad idea. I think it's better to go into this knowing what you're getting. I was expecting it to be a different genre, but pretty grounded. And instead it's very much a brick meets inherent vice meets the big Lebowski. Yeah. And it tries to be a little Twin Peaksy. To, yeah. Yeah. It's almost yeah. comparable to something like rubber, honestly. <laughs> like it's it because of how surreal it is, which is again not what I was expecting. I was expecting something more like brick. And then, you know, you get Yeah, I think Twin Peaks is is almost makes more sense than something like this. But I, I like it. It leans into it. It leads into the absurdity. Yeah, and I, I liked that it it leaned into it because it it had very strong direct references to The Long Goodbye, which I love that movie. I love that fucking movie. But then it started going super absurd, and I liked that. My problem is I don't like... There's like a type of person that gets portrayed in that film quite heavily. And that type of person, that mentality of like, I'm young and helpless. It just, it, it, it annoys me. <laughs> Yeah, I have to it agree really with you on that. Me. And that was that was something that I had to kind of set aside and just let the story happen without like focusing on that. But I liked it. I know I think I know what your thoughts are on it, Al, but I'm kind of curious to hear you voice them. No, I I no, because I think I came out of it pretty disappointed because I was expecting a masterpiece from him because I love his other films so much, and because I think I was misguided going into it. But it's weird, like at this point now, it's the film I'm most excited to go back to by mm-hmm. far. Like, it's the oh, film yeah. that I'm really excited to share because Katie didn't get to see it. Uh, it's like, I'm really excited to watch it again with her now knowing what it is because there was a lot in there that I enjoyed. There were some bits I know second time round still won't be rescued for me. There were a bunch of bits I was like, well, this is terrible. Uh, there are a lot of scenes that just didn't work for me. And But yeah, I, I had no idea that people out of cans kind of hated it. And I had no idea that people were talking about it like it's a Southland Tales. That's what people really? have been saying online. Wow. Like it's that much of a misstep. It's kind of like, yeah, no, doing the Donnie Darko and then no. making something like that. No, it's just- um, And it's not. Like, I don't think it is yet a Twin Peaks, Big Lebowski thing he wants it to be. But I think it's a very interesting, unique movie. And you only get something like this once every couple of decades, really. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's, I don't think it's ever going to be a cult classic like those films. But it also no. isn't as, like... I, I always I and I could be the only person in the world that feels this way, but I thought like a film like Inherent Vice was a misstep, you know? Yeah, I think so. But but this it wasn't that for me. And if if nothing else, I think what 
the similarity between this and it follows, even though they're completely different films, what I've taken away from it is, and have a lot of respect for the director, uh, for, for David Mitchell for this, right? David Mitchell. Yeah. David Robert Mitchell. David Robert Mitchell. David Robert Mitchell. Say his middle name. Is that he is so good at making the audience be an active participant in his film. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt that way. I felt really strongly about that. It was one of my favorite things about it follows is that it's, it's basically like a, a 90 minute I spy book, <laughs> but as a film, yeah. you know, you're constantly as the audience member forced to observe the background and pay attention to all these details and whether they're intentional or not, like you're, you're noticing them now and you're, you're playing the game with the characters in the film. And same thing with this, you're very quickly sort of forced to be like, to, to play sort of a detective role where you're noticing all these things and oh my god the pipes there are referencing you know the mario game that he was playing before and that symbol is the same symbol that was you know there mm. and you start yeah. to pick up on all these things and and then you start to realize oh my god i'm now overwhelmed with all of these details i have to buy the video and on, on dvd or blu-ray and then comb through frame by frame which you are I'm playing actually- the game and you don't even know it <laughs> exactly i, ho- I really I- hope that's true yeah. i guess yeah, is something yeah. that i want to say about it because like I feel like it very much couldn't, it could easily not be true. You know, there's so much Absolutely. in there that you just like, I feel just means nothing that I hope it's true. And it all does mean something for him at least. Yeah. But I mean, I love, I'm a huge, huge Andrew Garfield lover. He's like my biggest man crush. Um, really? So I was wow. really happy to see him yeah. just like getting to fucking hold the screen and just, you know, uh, and, so, and something with some brains, you know, yeah. so, something yeah. that's not action, you know, and he's, but he's done other stuff, but like, this is a real vehicle for him as compared yeah. to some yeah, other no. ones. I mean, he should have been, yeah, this is the right kind of pop culture vehicle for him as well. Yeah. Like he was amazing, like never let me go and stuff yeah. like that as well. But people don't notice that as much. I think the only reason why I think it could be a misstep for him is this is a director who did a pure drama with the myth of the American sleepover, then did indie horror with, you know, it follows. And now I don't know what you classify this as quirky mystery. Yeah, and I mean, this is, you know, it, it's like he's not necessarily putting his feet down on what his personality is as a director. Yeah. And that can, I mean, we'll see. But maybe with, with, maybe with genre, but I maintain, like, I'm excited to see whatever he does next because I know that I'm going to have to participate. And that's that's cool. No, I, I, hope, agree, I, hope I agree with you, but something. I just mean from the public's point of view oh, and from, from what money you get. Yeah, like, with Richard Kelly, it was, a bad, <laughs> it was a bad idea for Richard Kelly. Like, to yeah. change genres that much that quickly in your career it's like you need to do at least two in a row it's the same rule as like with the band it's like Coldplay and Radiohead and like they wouldn't be as big as they were if they hadn't done two albums in a row that were almost identical yeah and managed to hit the resonance with the public enough that then they could go and do what the fuck they want and it doesn't matter because you remember them for those two albums and with directing I think it's the same it's like you gotta be smart enough to to go, oh, I'm on a roll with this. Let's do one more to cement myself and then I can do my crazy weird movie. Yeah. So I, I hope it works out for him. I really do. But it does mm-hmm. make me a little bit, a little bit worried. Sure, quirk, sure. quirk noir. Quirk yeah. noir. Quirk I nah. think that's what I, I think I've decided quirk that's noir. what it is. No, I think I, you're right. If, if you are curious, um, I do, I can go over the films that you missed. There are a handful. Please, just breeze yeah. through them quickly. Right. Yeah. Bloodline, or no, excuse me, The Bouncer. The uh, oh, yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme film. Anyone see that? No. I heard some, I heard some people liked it. Though. All right. Uh, Destroyer. Oh, fuck, man. I want to see this so much. This is the Nicole Kidman one. I know. Yeah. I've um, heard such good things, um, too. Yeah. That was programmed against Silver Lake, and I was like, well, I'm seeing Silver Lake. No, yeah, sorry. It was programmed yeah. against Tenacious D, uh, which I didn't talk about, <laughs> because oh. uh, it's not a film. <laughs> ah, yeah. That, I, I did not. 
I mean, I laughed. I laughed because it was like, I'm 12. What's this? But yeah. I like, come on. No, it's terrible. Yeah, it's bad. I drew a dick on the rating card. I just straight up drew a dick instead of tearing it. It's an un... And look, to be there at the event when they're there and then they play a set afterwards, sort of fantastic experience. To watch yeah. it as a film, it is not a film. It's not animated. I mean, it's literally not animated. He just drew some pictures on the iPad and then they put their album over it's it and voiced over it probably in one go. It's It's really terrible, but in the right audience, sure, you can laugh at it and have fun. Yeah. Fugue. Didn't see Fugue. Oh god, yeah, that's the new that's the new film from the director of the Lure. Yep. Uh, uh. I love it's, the Lure. I, I, so my much. understanding of Fugue is that it was more if this is the one I'm thinking of, it ended up being more family drama than mystery, which was a yeah. bit misleading for people who attended. Goliath, which was a very, very late edition. In fact, it was added halfway through the festival. Anyone see that? No? no. Cool. Let's see. <laughs> Oh, the man who killed Don Quixote. Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah, I sorry. saw it. Did we talked about it? Gilliam and never talked about this. No, I wanted to. Yeah, go on, Franklin. I yeah, I saw it. I, it was a it was it was fun, but like a lot of Terry Gilliam's films, you know, he there's a lot of stuff that that's really fun and really weird that that works, and then there's stuff where you it it it's it's uh, a little it just doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't resonate and you feel kind of detached and that's you know maybe that's that's just sort of the style that he's going for i am a terry gilliam fan but there's there's always those sections that you just kind of have to put up with because they just don't they just don't work and it's it's definitely entertaining if you also if if you know about it if you know how long it's taken for him to make it there are plenty of winks and nods but even still like you can tell from the cast and this is even like a the, the fifth iteration of the cast you can tell that uh, especially in some of the later scenes that they're tired <laughs> i don't know how else to <laughs> say it adam driver just like ends up phoning it in by the end of it oh man oh which is a shame but you know like kudos for them finishing it one of your anything else uh, yeah, mid nineties. Yeah, mid nineties. Oh fuck yeah! Okay, yeah, yeah. mid nineties. So rubbing, edition. rubbing the mic in a way that is. I don't a rub strange. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Think we're good? Yeah, no one cares. I'm not. T- I'm not touching it. I don't know. Are you moving it? I'm not moving it. Mid nineties. This is great. This is mid-90s. great. So mid nineties. Yeah, obviously not not genre, and they really try to have an excuse to show it in terms of we're all outcasts. This character's an outcast. Yeah, let's watch the fucking movie. Jonah Hill's first directing, uh, written and directed by him, and surprisingly no cameo at all from him, which I thought he'd pop up at some point as a skateboard. <laughs> a young cast of kids who have never acted before, other than one, I think, who's the lead guy. This is, I mean, this is literally, if you watch the trailers for it, it's literally how you, you think it is, only slightly more hopeful. Um, it oh. is kind of this generation's kids, but more hopeful. Oh, thank God. It's got some suburbia in there as well. And it's got some, what was the other film? I said, but I mean, all that kind of, you know, it's, did you guys see this? No. Oh, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, Frank, I saw it. Um, I fucking love this movie. Like, I absolutely no, love awesome. This for me is an immediate cult classic. Like I immediately... This is one of probably going to be one of my favorite films ever made. Wow. Um, wow. But okay. not in the terms of how emotional it is, just in terms of, no, that film does absolutely perfectly what it's trying to do. Um, and I don't have any criticism for what it's trying to do. I think it achieves everything. Sure. Exactly how it needs to be. It's shot fantastically. The acting is brilliant. The editing is great. The music is 
great. It's funny, sad, tragic. It's like it's all the emotions. There's uh, every character in there has a sympathetic moment, and I think that sure. is the a true feat for a writer and first time director. I do have a couple of technical critiques, but um, well, I mean, they're, be a dick. they're they're not they're not huge, and just there are a couple tropes that it it can help, but but fall victim to. But overall, like I I gotta say, like that's the kind of those are the kind of performances that I I aspire to try and get. You know, that where it's so naturalistic and yet it's still, you know, a uh, world is yours. Yes. 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 Oh, yes. The big French movie. God. Yes. Loved it. Loved it. Loved every minute. It was a heist movie. It was feel good. It was fun. Characters all felt great. It was like a Sodenberg film, but like more on the Logan Lucky side than on the Ocean's Eleven side. Um, well, shit. You, cared you about have the me characters. and then you lost me. <laughs> yeah. Now? You had me and then you lost me in those two sentences. <laughs> what do you mean? Because you said it's like a Soderbergh film. I was like, oh, really? Like a French film is like Soderbergh, I'm in. And then you said, but it's more like Logan Lucky than Ocean. So I was like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. But only, only in a sense that like you, you feel connected to the characters more. Like it's, it's a family film. It's a film about a family rather than okay. like a film about a group of guys. It's, yeah. <laughs> I like how you did that. Okay, now I want to see this. Guys. It's so much fun. Check it out. It's awesome. I love it. I can't recommend it enough. So many films, Shit. guys. I mean, if you're listening, if you're like avidly interested in this, you're probably not interested anymore because there's so many fucking films. Yeah, probably. We're at the end. Did we do it? Can we all go home? We did it. Well, no. Well done, wait, well done. We missed one, but I guess we kind of mentioned it. It was a little film called Suspiria. Oh yeah. shit, that's right. I mentioned it and then I forgot to go back the to it. Secret Cinema yeah. Suspiria. What is Suspiria? I didn't get to see I'm this. sorry, I'm not familiar. Okay, I'm an asshole. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> yeah. We all saw it. Did we all see it? We all saw it, right? Yeah, I, I didn't get it. to see it because I actually, I didn't get oh, into didn't. it. And oh. then the lovely people there were like, um, I'm not going to say who because they could get drunk. But the lovely people there were like, oh, they came to me at a bar and said, I know you want to see Suspiria really badly. I will walk you in right now and just get you in like a good seat. And I was like, I can't because everyone in the standby line was there. But then everyone in the standby line got in anyway. Yeah, we all got in. And yeah, it would have been fine. But everyone had been waiting for so long. I was like, it's not fair. I get to sit at the bar and then you'd walk me in. So I didn't do it. So you I made a movie. It's fine. People. No, that's not okay. acceptable. Yeah, it is. People seem to... I heard one person really hated it, who's one of our sales agents. He hated it vehemently. Um, but most people seem to like it a lot. It had last act problems. They could have cut... Yes. They could have cut 20% of the movie out. Maybe 15 yeah. to 20% of the movie. You agree, Franklin? They could I have agree cut... Completely. When uh, uh, I I don't want to spoil it, but... Do not spoil it. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. That's do a big not? movie. Okay. Yeah, so, do not spoil it. Okay. Uh, all right. So there's a certain point in the movie where I uh, I was very excited. It felt like it was building really well. And then it went to a place that I was not expecting. And I don't know if I really liked. So, But I'm also okay. a fan of the cheese and glory that is the original. So that was difficult for me. Yeah. I had never um, seen the original. Uh, but just oh. objectively as, as a film, like, I mean... There were things I liked about it, and there was plenty of stuff that I didn't want to continue watching. Yep, especially in the in the in the later section of it, especially towards yeah. the end. Uh, also, I mean, just don't watch this film if you are like me and have a very strong aversion to broken bones. Because <laughs> oh, there, there were there were full <laughs> sections of the movie that I missed out on because I just had my press my not my press badge but my my badge in front of my face. I'm seeing on IMDb that it is over two and a half hours long, so it gets an immediate oh not recommend God, yeah. from uh, Yeah, it's podcast. super fucking long. <laughs> just to be clear, I really love long movies, but just not sure. necessarily in a festival. Yeah. Okay, we did it. Okay, so very quickly now, what I want is to get some of your favorite movies, like just really highlight those ones, 
And then I've got one question I'm going to ask, particularly to Franklin. Um, I'm not sure, Lola, if it'll pertain to you or not, but we'll see. So, Lola, give us, like, your top four films. Okay. I liked... Sorry, I have them all rated. Are we, are we, supposed, are we allowed to include Starfish? No. That's too bad, because it's on my list, so fuck Fucking you. Hell. So, Blood of Wolves uh, was a favorite. Blood of Wolves, really? I really... Yep. Okay. It is okay. no shock that Hold the Dark is on here for me, because... I love his directing, and I thought it was beautifully acted. The scenery, I like, I've talked to you about this, I like wide openness in films and the way that space is used. Um, I appreciated that. Um, Standoff at Sparrow Creek, absolutely, for many reasons. Uh, Starfish, and I think those are probably my biggest ones. Yep. Franklin? If we're doing like the top five list, I think at the bottom of the list would be El Royale. Honestly, it was just a fun time. Oh. Um, I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, then, then above it, Chain for Life. Oh, I got to put Savage on there. Then Cam, and then at the top, uh, World is Ours. I just, I, I can't really. Recommend. The World is Ours is that good? God, oh my God! I, I don't know. It was just, it's one of those films. There, there's nothing pretentious about it. There's nothing artsy fartsy about it. It's just a, it's just a straight family. It's so charming and cute and still like there's still consequences it's not like it's you know a happy-go-lucky like there there's still stakes it's just good just check it out it's awesome uh, i didn't see enough movies i mean i saw like was it like 15 or something but i didn't see enough uh to really have a top five which is kind of like i thought i really enjoyed so many but the ones i really love were yeah mid 90s uh the wind donny brook for sure mm. probably holiday I wouldn't. I don't know how many more times I'd watch it, but I really respected the hell out of that movie. And I'm not allowed to talk about Halloween yet, so I can't say whether or not that's on on that list. Uh, but anyway, fucking so many great films and such a great fucking festival. If you are part of the festival and you're listening to this, thank you so much for helping us have an incredible time. Yes, and I want to leave it with something poignant to do with that. So Franklin, this is your, like you said, your first time you submitted one of your pieces and you got in, which is incredible. And you came and stayed and did all that stuff. Mm. Uh, what I want to ask you, and then I'm going to answer it as well afterwards, because I'm never going to, and I was, I was like looking at you both when you were talking a few minutes ago and I was like, I started to want to cry um, because you're both terrible people. Oh. <laughs> I'm a dick. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's just like, I can't even express what that week meant to me. And I've spent my entire life just wanting to make feature films um, since I could speak, literally, since I was like five because I was a slow learner. And, and to finally be at that point, albeit much later in my life than I'd hoped, but to finally be at that point and in that kind of environment was a life-changing thing for me. And I'm never, ever going to forget that. I'm never, ever going to forget like you guys and I'm never, ever going to forget the experiences in that week and it meant everything to me. Um, and it's changed my perspective a lot about what I expect for myself and what I want to do next. So what I, I'm going to answer next, but what I want from you, Franklin, is you're never going to forget, I don't think, the first place your short film plays. As I say that never. sentence, I'm realizing I don't remember the first place my short films play. <laughs> but I think Fantastic Press <laughs> is a very particular environment. I think my first short film didn't play anywhere that exciting the first time. I doubt you're going to forget that week through the rest of your career. So I'm interested, if you have an answer to it, how has what you taken away from the week as a director like how is it changing what how you want to be creative moving forward and whatever you're doing next i think the biggest thing that i've taken away from it uh, i mean this 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 might seem cliche but it, it is the absolute truth is that it is suddenly now it no longer feels like a pipe dream 
it now feels like a tangible goal. You know, to, as w- w- when you're when you live in in a place like Jacksonville, not to not no disrespect to the city, but like I mean, it's it you <laughs> I know <laughs> no, but it, it's 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 never felt like a real thing. It's always been like oh, I'm going to make films, and I've got I'm making more shorts, but one day you know I'm going to make a feature film. But it's always been like an you know it's it's always been a you know a, a a star way out way off in the in the distance uh but it going to fantastic fest and meeting these people and getting to hear their stories and realizing uh, and especially you al you know uh seeing that it is it is possible and it is you know it is it is a goal that is worth having too that it's it's not just like oh you got to sell your soul and uh you know, it's miserable and, you know, you're going to hate every minute of it. Getting to talk to people that are like, no, this is doable. And, you know, and it is, it's fun. And if you love it, then it's worth it. And you're not crazy. You have ideas that are, are interesting and are exciting and that there, there are other people that also think and feel the way that you do about this, that there are other people that love film and love making films as much as you do. And those people aren't going to push you away because they see you as competition. They're going to bring you in because, you know, because you want to connect and you want to grow and you want to share. That was just super, super great to hear because I'm sure they're in a different world where you go to a different festival and everyone is standoffish and sees you as something less than it was so great being in a place where every everyone sees you as, you know, sees you as what you're going to do next. That's, I mean, life-changing, absolutely life-changing. And I'm going to, I don't want to cry. <laughs> Fuck you. Let's all just cry. It was life-changing, life-changing experience. Man, you, I mean, with, with absolutely no, I mean, look, no future is set for anybody. You can be the most talented person in the world, write the best book in the entire world. And no one gives a shit about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you are a really great voice. And from the pitches that you've given to us, you have tons <laughs> of great you. ideas. Um, and the way you tackled, your own insecurities like over that week was astonishing to me and i was so fucking in awe <laughs> to see how you dealt with that and did your q a's which were hilarious also and you're like standing up and introducing stuff which is hilarious and different <laughs> every time. so yeah man I'm, I'm i'm genuinely very excited about what you're doing next well thanks man and you know i do want to thank the fantastic fest people because it was you know i lost my car key and uh, they found it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was really, I was forced to to like let go of my insecurities and uh, antisocial nature because I needed to find my car key. That's how that's how I ended up introducing myself to you. Was do you need help finding your car key? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was honestly a great way to to meet people. It was all it was it was entirely accidental. I was able to pay for the flight back because of the mouth infection. It was, you know, all of these stars aligned and it was like all the silver linings ended up, you know, amounting to just a fan, uh, an amazing week. Almost, said almost fantastic said again. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no. And I couldn't be more grateful for, for people like you, Al and, and, and Lola and, and Jeremy and everyone that was just so kind, you know, even the, you know, 10 minutes I got to speak to Elijah Wood. It was just, it was really awesome that everyone was willing to talk. So you mentioned coming across kind of what you, and this is Al, I'm directing this at you, uh, what you were passionate about, not coming across it late in life, but really getting into the thick of it late in life, later in life, not late, we're not dead, but using your words from a minute ago, to be fair, you know, (laughs) 
as someone who also is creative in a different medium, I've struggled with a lot of similar things, finding my own voice or feeling comfortable putting my voice out there, especially, you know, yeah. anyway, it's very inspiring to see people take what they love and take what they feel strongly about and run with it and say, you know, I don't really fucking care if anyone gets what I'm doing. I need to do it because it's the thing I need to do, uh, especially as someone who's who's been stalled for quite a while. So even though I don't have anything to say about filmmaking, I have something to say about that. So thank you. That makes me so happy that, yeah, like that from because, yeah, all creative people can be very, very different, but they come from the same cloth and, and to like know that the festival can imbue different things in different creative thing, uh, outlets that you, you know, I mean, for people who don't know what you're talking about, I presume you're talking about your music, but you're talking about other aspects as well. I don't know. I'm talking about my, uh, high wire trapeze act actually, but okay. I mean, there's music also. <laughs> yeah. It's nude. It's, it's very tasteful though. Very tasteful high wire. Nude <laughs> very trapeze tasteful act. High yeah. wire. Well, it depends yeah. where you see it. It's true. I, <laughs> no, that makes me so happy to know that, that the festival can have that effect on, on yeah, different outlets, different creative outlets. Yeah. Yeah, for me personally, like I, it's changed everything I'm doing next. Like I went into the festival, I've written, I wrote like a bunch of screen, well, two, two or three screenplays about five years ago uh, that we were meant to be making before we made this stupid movie. And they're much more easy to digest. They're much more genre specific and they're still going to be, you know, weird, I hope, and, you know, personal. But they're not like, what the fuck happened there? You know, they're not there to discuss what was a mess or not. Like they have a story that <laughs> you can follow through simply. <laughs> And it's very important. I mean, my manager were talking before, it's very important. My next film shows, you know, I can tell a straight story as well, uh, but with my personality in it. And we thought we knew what we were making. I'm not allowed to talk about what we're hopefully trying to make because things change. But we had it set. We had like two or three films that were like, we want to make these in this order. We know what we're doing. And then I came out of Fantastic Fest and I judged everything I was doing completely differently. And well, we were getting like reviews through sites um, that I go to throughout the festival and I was listening to their criticisms and listening to what they liked and trying to like anyone in the festival who kindly came over to me and like shook my hand or like told me something about what they liked about my film. I then wanted to know what they didn't like as well. And I wanted to like, cause you want to know, okay, if we're appealing to you, why? And the problems you have, which I agree with all those problems, I want to make sure I fix them, you know? And I came out of it and I have a whole different film now that as I've been driving stupid lengths to get to the beautiful city of Winnipeg. Um, <laughs> I have now created in my brain and I'm writing it now and I'm about to go support the film. If you're listening to this and you want to come see Starfish and you're on the East Coast, come to Brooklyn. We'll be at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival and then Ithaca and I'll be there for both of those. And I'm going to, there's like a week in between that and I'm going to be just finishing writing this new screenplay and I'm really fucking excited about this film. And it's definitely the thing I think now makes sense for me to make next. And that's what's been really interesting to me. It's like having other people tell you who you should be and then you wanting to live up to that, you know? So I'm going to sound like a dick for a second because I'm about to say a quote from a review that has been nice to me. And that's a terrible thing to do on a podcast and it makes me feel very uncomfortable. Eh. But it's very important because this one sentence has literally changed everything that I'm doing next. Uh, so it's from a website called Night on, Nightmare on Film Street. And one of their quotes in the, in the movie, and to be fair, they were kind of, they were critical about the movie as well as liking it, um, which is, you know, so I'm not, they weren't just saying nice stuff. But one of their lines was they said that I'm a new voice that will go on to create fascinating, thought-provoking films. And that line fucked me up <laughs> completely because you read that and then you're like, well, now I want to be that <laughs> because I think I'm a fraud, like I think most creatives do. But now I want to be that. 
I want to be a new voice that has fascinating and thought-provoking films. And my next film was going to be more genre straight. It was going to be this, this slasher film that I was excited to do because I love slasher. And from that sentence, it got me rethinking everything. And it got me rethinking the conversations I'd had over the week with you guys and everyone else and just sort of recreating a whole different story that is like, okay, no, I want to double down on the things that people like and I want to fix the things that people don't like, you know. And that for me is, there's been so much great stuff with Fantastic Fest, but that's the thing for me is that I, it has literally changed all my own personal expectations of myself. Um, and that's a terrifying thing. So fuck you, Fantastic Fest. You're welcome. For making me work harder <laughs> and be more focused yeah. and have higher expectations. If we've, we've gone on really long, this is a long podcast, I'm sorry, but like this was, you know, it was a really special festival and I'm really proud and happy to have you guys on this show so that we could talk about it in different ways. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so yeah, much. Really, Thanks thank so you. Lot. Lola, I presume you'll be there next year. Yeah, that's, that's a fact. Okay. Unless I'm filming, I will be there next year as well. Yay. Sure. Fucking it'll, it'll, better. Yeah, frankly, it's going to be I mean, way like, more boring if you're not. <laughs> I'm going to be bored next year. I love I love all the people that are there, but um, I have never skipped more movies. Uh, gladly, I skipped like five or six movies this year, which for me, I usually go to every possible slot that I can. I'm either in an event uh, or something, and I was like, oh, I think I'm just going to sit here and uh, play air hockey <laughs> with you guys. <laughs> God, I think I'm going to go insane. kick this pinball and wear a giant wolf cowl in the middle of Austin, Texas when it's hot as fuck outside. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was, it was, it was memorable to say the least. And I'm, I'm very sad it's over, but hopeful that, uh, y'all will come back. And if you're yeah. listening to this and you're on the fence, just fucking come. Like it's just pretty go. expensive if Don't you want a full badge, idiot. but do, yeah, you can do that halfway badge where you come in towards the end and get to see to repeat some films. Uh, there's less industry there. So it's a bit more chilled, but there's still loads of fun stuff happening everywhere. Like constantly free tattoos. Um, so just come just come 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 all right thank you so much for listening again please do head over to weird geeks please do uh subscribe and you know rate and say mean things whatever you got to do doesn't matter <laughs> but just the interaction helps while you're on weirdgeeks.com you can also then branch out to a twitch account where you can see some content that's not really going up right now but you can see some of our old content and our future content by future proofing yourself just subscribe you can also yeah, what else can you do? Oh, you can email us through theweirdgeeks.com or you can just send an email if you don't like going to other people's websites because they're dirty by typing in mail at weirdgeeks.com, mail at weirdgeeks.com. And we're working on fuck you at weirdgeeks.com. I think we've got that. Ali's not here, so she can't <laughs> confirm. Actually, no, I think we do. Fuck you. You can just type in fuck you at weirdgeeks.com. Yeah, and while you're there, hit the little black badge that says we are Tessellate. They're a publisher. Uh, they're a production company run out of London, LA, and Tokyo. We're making feature films. Starfish is our first one. We're also making short films. We're making... We're going to be making progressive game app things, which we'll be talking more about later. Wow. We make what? music. I've got a new album coming out called Dive Dark, which I've been very happy most interviews with me about my film want to talk about because free promotion for an album that otherwise would die. It's actually tied into Starfish. Starfish, it deals with most of the same things. So if you're not depressed enough after watching Starfish, <laughs> listen to my new album and then you'll definitely hate everything. And you can follow me on all the social medias as Mr. Al M-R-A-L-W-H-I-T-E. And on Xbox, if you want to play some of them video games and some of that Red Dead, which again, we'll be talking about that in a few days' time. Just me and Alex on episode. Fuck, wow, what episode are we on right now? 99. Is that going to be episode? Oh, it's going to be episode 100. Me and Alex. Hey. What about you guys? Where can people find you and stalk you and send you inappropriate things? I'm on the face spaces (laughs) and tumble twits. 
you can just search my name, Franklin Rich. I have three pictures on Instagram. It's true. I always forget about my Twitter. You can message me on Facebook, I guess, uh, or just subscribe on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, if you have any suggestions of how to clean a shower drain, I'm always open to hearing that. I'll help you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Sure to help. Mine's pretty clogged right now. That's, that's all I got. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, you can find me on Instagram at uh, West Bay Monument, W E S T B A Y Monument, all one word. Uh, you can find me on. Let's see, what are the other things? Twitter, Lola Mullen Music, L O L A M U L L E N Music. I'm on there sporadically. I'm on Instagram a lot just because I like taking pictures and I like uh, posting things that no one gives a fuck about. I have a website. It's lolamullen.com. It's just a band camp. No one cares. There are songs there. <laughs> They're really old. I have other ones that I let people listen to. So if you ask me real nice, I'll just send you a link to the new album, even though I probably shouldn't. Let's see. I'm on the, the face ego. Space. The ego on this podcast is through the roof. I'm such a cunt. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, uh, you can find me, just Google Lola Mullen and probably something about Highway's Naked Trapeze Acts and you'll find me. It's fine. Thank I'm- you guys so much. <laughs> I hope to have you both on again. Please, please. I'd love to. Yes. We'll talk a little less next time. <laughs> uh, we'll stupid. be back on Friday with more Halloween and I'll be back in a few more days with Alex to talk about some video games and then some more Fantastic First stuff next week. Until then, we are out. Yay. Bye. Geeks, geeks, geeks. I'm geeks, going to bed geeks, now. Geeks.